Monday, January 1st, 2024, and it's the first of the year, and it's a one seed for the San Francisco 49ers. Wake up with Damon and Larry. Good morning. Happy New Year to all of you. Larry, you know, we, we got going four minutes late for coming after New Year's Eve. Really ain't bad, if you don't mind me saying. Well, we actually we showed up on time. We just had a little uh, pre-show chit-chat. So, yeah, um, it was, you know. I had had the alarm came quick because, uh, you know, I was up late last night making sure that, you know, my partying children were uh, home from their parties. But other than that, it was a pretty quiet night with just me and my youngest and my uh, wife hanging around the house. Quite contrast to uh, to uh, New Year's Eve's of past. Yeah, I mean, I remember. uh young Damon Bruce and old Damon Bruce and uh, young Damon Bruce wants to smack old Damon Bruce in the face. Look at what you've become, sir. But you know, wives, kids, moms in town and uh, that'll do it. That, that'll absolutely do it. And, and let's face it. New Year's Eve has become amateur hour out there. I mean, it's for people who don't go out all year long. I used to go out an awful lot. I used to be like, Mr. Let's do something on a Wednesday night. That doesn't happen very much with a four-year-old and a two-year-old. But <laughs> No, Larry, believe me, as somebody who's uh, had the four-year-old and the two-year-old, I'm very, very, very familiar with those days. Um, it is kind of a special, uh, a special anniversary for myself and my wife because we don't celebrate a lot of different things, but one day that we kind of celebrate that maybe other people don't is the day that we actually met. And we met on new year's Eve in uh, from 1994 going into 1995 and got married in 99. So uh, was it a random bump in? Was it in a, was it an arrangement? Did someone try to put the two of you in the same room together to see if it would work? Or was it just, Hey, check at a party. How you doing? Well, you know, it's like I come from a pretty big family, right? So I've got an older brother, I've got an older sister, I've got a younger sister, and this just happened to be a, a, a college friend of one of my younger sisters who showed up at my parents' house. I actually met her in my parents' kitchen for the very first time. <laughs> that's, that's, so, so right away, you had you, you like the Niners had home field advantage, Larry. Home field advantage, uh, you know, I was, I was, I'm two, I'm what, two years older than my wife. So, you know, I'm a little, I had more maturity. No, no, I didn't really have more maturity, but you know what I'm saying? I was older and, uh, and, um, you know, I was on my home turf and, you know, so what, it's amazing. It's amazing. So we met that night in my parents' kitchen. We started dating later on that year and there you go. Well, yeah, here we are, four that's kids fantastic, later. man. That is fantastic. Um, and I guess the whole point of this is how important it is to have that comfortable home field advantage in life and certainly in sports. My goodness, Larry, you know, every single coach sits down and writes a list of goals before a season starts. And I think the first thing on, on every single coach's list is simply win your division. Because everything that good starts there. Yeah. Win your division. And then beyond that, can you take it to the extreme of maybe you will even have the best record in your conference? The San Francisco 49ers under Kyle Shanahan in year seven have had maybe their best year under Kyle Shanahan all the way around when you walk around the entire car on the, you know, on, on the car lot and you're, you're doing your 360 looking at the car for the first time. When you look at this, 
from 360 degrees, I really do think it's Kyle Shanahan's best season as a head coach. And therefore, it's the best 49ers season in seven years. And they've accomplished not just everything they hope to accomplish. They've accomplished even more than they wanted to because they've got a punt it away game in week 18, which means they have the luxury of, let's call it, extreme rest. Not only will they have a bye week, they've got a built-in throwaway late preseason game against the Rams that should be conducted as a preseason game. That's something you and I talked about last night. And let's start there this morning. Yeah, um, Throw it all away in week 18, right? If you're important to a title run, hopefully you can be kept off the field entirely. Well, you know, the thing, the thing is, and that's going to be an impossibility, right? Because they're, <clears throat> it's a team sport and, you know, you got 22 starters uh, on offense and defense. Doesn't even include, include your special teams. You won't be able to rest 22 guys. So you're not going to be able to rest all your starters. You're going to have to roll some guys out there. I think guys understand that. But for everybody that I think had to have rest, which are, you know, Eric Armstead obviously needs more rest and Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner and, you know, a couple other guys. Hey, I saw him putting layers of tape on Christian McCaffrey's calf on oh, Sunday. Christian so McCaffrey needs to sit guy. out. Yeah. Sit him out. Any, I mean, you have other guys. You can go with J.P. Mason. I mean, this is kind of the advantage of not having gone with Mason or Mitchell all year is that you've gotten to this point and they're totally fresh. So, I mean, you can get through a football game with Mason and Mitchell. You don't have to have Christian McCaffrey. I saw the hit that George Kittle took yesterday on the leg uh, from the Washington defender. Larry, that could have um, been ACL, MCL, PCL, meniscus. The whole thing could have been blown up in that one play. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And so, I mean, he's, I, you know, I guarantee you, and the guy came back in the game because he's an all-time tough guy throwback, but he's feeling it this morning. Sit him out. Sit out anybody that that you need to to get rest. And the, the two weeks is just awesome. That's just a perfect amount of time. Um, you know, they won't get rust. I don't believe, don't even entertain the idea of, oh, they could get rusty. They're not going to get rusty because they practice. And when you practice, you're still going, you're still playing. You're just not taking hits. You're basically the, it's not like they're not, it's not like they're going on a three week vacation to Bermuda. They're going to be in Santa Clara, lifting, meeting and practicing and honing their craft as their body recuperates from daily almost hitting definitely weekly hitting that goes back to the 4th of July. So, I mean, the, the, some of these guys really need it. I, and it's funny. It's like, <clears throat> there are, they're mo they're the America's modern day gladiators. So we don't really, you know, ever think about it, but they're real people behind those hits. And these guys don't feel good on Monday as the season progresses. And they don't feel good after the game. Uh, as the season progresses and the older you get, the harder it is to bounce back. Um, and, you know, there are a number of guys, John Feliciano, and, you know, you can play some backup D linemen, Robert, all your young guys, D winters and Jalen Graham should get some run. Uh, Robert Beal jr. Should get some run at, at defensive end. Um, everybody, all your quality depth needs to see the field in this final game. Luter sees the field. Verrett Luter. sees the field. Verrett is interesting because Verrett it was not healthy in this or was not up in this last game, and I don't know why. I'm not sure if it was health-related or just they wanted to get Womack out there, but 
I've said it to you a few times. I'd rather them go with the younger guys, Womack and Luter over, you know, the veteran guys like Logan Ryan and, and, uh, and Jason Verrett. I mean, if they can, I mean, obviously they've, they may have to go with Ryan because he's so versatile and he can play inside, but get your young guys on the field as much hey, as possible. See Danny Gray for the first time ever. Would know? love to see Danny Gray. Would love to see Danny Gray. Tay Martin is another guy. You know, the 49ers have a handful of guys. And, um, you know, it's like if you were at training camp and, you, and you're familiar with the talent, man, you know, it, this, is, this is not going to be – this is going to be a very encouraging Week 18 from a personnel standpoint because – there's a bunch of talented players that really haven't gotten on the field yet. And Winters and um, Graham, I think, are at the at the top of the list. I mean, those guys are starting caliber linebackers that just have never played hardly this year. Winters a little bit more than Graham, but basically neither has played any significant number of snaps because you've got Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, then you got Oren Burks, you got Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, you got Curtis Robinson, you got other guys. So They'll, they'll yeah. lean on their depth here. Curtis Robinson's another guy. Uh, the guy they just attract, uh, acquired, Sebastian Joseph Day, probably gets some run in this last game. Uh, maybe guys like Taylor Hawkins off the practice squad. Um, you know, Willie Sneed off the practice squad. This is a perfect spot for Willie. T.Y. McGill is going to get some run in this game. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a time to look at your depth, heal up your wounds, and um, it's really a break because this Rams team is coming on and it was going to take quite a bit of energy expended to beat them. Oh, and it was now- gonna be a real big boy football game. So yeah, you, get to, you get to really dodge all the wear and tear that comes with a division rivalry and a Rams team that is just sick and freaking tired of losing to the Niners in the regular season. I mean, NFC game title game withstanding Sean McVay is, not happy with his regular season record against Kyle Shanahan. So he no. would have gotten kitchen synced. Um, and, uh, and it's good that the 49ers can really, you know, as much as you can professionally look past a football game, they're getting, they, they have the luxury of looking past their final regular season game. And again, all that you hope to accomplish as a team in a regular season has been accomplished before the regular season even ends. So that's how good of a season it's really been for the 49ers. And it's really been a great couple of seasons for the 49ers. And we've seen, you know, an awful lot of people and pundits and media folk, you know, just complain and rain criticism from the high heavens upon the choices that this front office has made, uh, the way Kyle goes about executing a game plan, which, like anything, if you want to nitpick it, if you want to find something that you don't like, you can you can look at it and find something that you don't like. But what you will find is a historically prolific, spread the ball around, share it with everyone NFL offense, and Larry, that's where we start are just the facts. Maybe our most famous of all of our segments here on Wake Up. The 49ers, uh, before we get into the individual numbers, just as a team, with four players surpassing 1,000 yards from scrimmage and Brock Purdy being over the 4,000-yard mark, the 49ers became the fourth team in NFL history to have a quarterback with 4,000 or more passing yards and four players with 1,000 or more yards from scrimmage. Beyond that, if you'd like something that is just theirs alone, 
They've done that too, Larry. The 49ers are the first team in NFL history to have a running back, two wide receivers, a tight end, each post a thousand or more yards from scrimmage in a single season. So, you know, one of the common criticisms is Shanahan tries to do too much. You know, he should get into a game and he should stick with something that works until it doesn't work. And there's a part of me that does agree with that. You know, I mean, really, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But Kyle has become the best in football at spreading it around and making you wonder as an opponent where the next punch is coming from. And they did so in historical, prolific fashion all regular season long. And remember, the regular season isn't even over. It's, it's you know, unbelievable what they've been able to accomplish this year. Um, and you think about this being, you said something early on about this could be Kyle's finest year. I mean, he had to deal with the landmine of the guy we thought was the guy at quarterback isn't the guy. The guy that we lucked into at quarterback is the guy. And how do we commit to the guy that we didn't think was the guy and somehow part ways with the guy that we thought was the guy and spent a lot of money and draft picks to acquire because we told our owner he was the guy. How do we, you know what I mean? How do we surf that whole wave and, you know, successfully? And they've done it. I mean, um, right. what Purdy's would, would pick to that degree, you better come back with some sort of historic evidence that we made the right choice after all. And they've got that in spades. Exactly. They, you know, they were going to be questioned. And, you know, it's funny when we showed up in training camp, the one thing that was clear as day to me was that. Brandon Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey uh, and Debo Samuel, three of their top weapons, were all in big-time shape, primed for career years. We said it. We talked about it. We analyzed it on a day-to-day basis. But it was really clear with McCaffrey in minicamp, and then it was really clear starting in training camp that Debo was in great shape and Ayuk was having an all-timer and that McCaffrey was going to have his best year. And just that alone gave you confidence that this was going to be a good offensive year. But you still had a big question on your offensive line. You still had a big question at quarterback. And, um, and you know, they all – Kyle made it all happen, and it all came together. And, um, you know, they got just enough out of their offensive line, and Purdy became a star. I mean, let's be, let's be honest. I mean, it's, it's, we can talk about Brock Purdy, the last pick, Mr. Irrelevant, but this guy passed Joe Montana, Steve Young, Jeff Garcia. I mean, he goes 22 of 28 yesterday for 230 and two touchdowns, 4,280 yards on the season. The guy has gone from, you know, just a guy who's, you know, getting reps behind Nate Sudfeld to the most prolific passer in any single season in the history of this storied franchise. Right. The, 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 the team that in our lifetimes reinvented the topic of quarterback, the single most prolific passing season in the history isn't Joe Montana. It's not Steve Young and it's not Jeff Garcia. It's Brock freaking Purdy. And don't Ooh. let anybody, and don't let anybody tell you that, Oh, well, it, you know, it's modern football and this and that. He did it in 16 games. Right. The right. same all- way that those guys accomplished their yardage total in 16 games, be- you know, prior to the NFL adding the 17th game. So it's like, yeah, yes, he played in the 17 game era, 
but he did it in 16 games. Right. Now, so the word asterisk in San Francisco sounds like a badge of shame because it was associated with Barry and steroids and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Asterix was just, you know, let's point out something was different between those times and that time. There is no Roger Maris going on here. It wasn't a 17th game that made Brock Purdy get all these numbers and records. As a matter of fact, I don't I I know for a fact we're not even going to see Brock Purdy in that 17th game. Right. I mean, you got to start Sam Darnold against yeah. the Rams. That's why Sam is here. So and again, I actually think. That will be a good thing for the 49ers coming out in the wash of the postseason as well. God forbid something happened to Purdy and he goes down in any way, shape, or form. Darnold getting some real live reps in a game that matters, in in actual moments of a football game that matter, not just victory formation, is, is good for everything that goes into the postseason. So that's a good thing, too. You were talking about Brandon Ayuk, and again, it's always quarterback or defensive stars, and and I, I feel like we haven't discussed Ayuk enough, and Ayuk certainly has separated himself from just about all other wide receivers in franchise history. Um, and, and this is a team that, again, has had some very special wide receivers in franchise history. Brandon Ayuk has seven games this season with 100 or more receiving yards, that's the third most in team history. Uh, Jerry had nine and 95. Jerry had eight and 89. And Jerry had seven in 1990. And Brandon Ayuk is now tied with that 1990 season of Jerry, Jerry Rice for seven games with 100 or more receiving yards. So when you're on a list with only Jerry Rice, that's a pretty good list to be on as a wide receiver for the 49ers. No doubt. And, and, to me, um, you know, Ayuk, you know, unbelievable. S wasn't it his 600-yard day of the season? Um, the it was guy, seventh, Larry. 700-yard day of the season? Seven. Oh, okay. They said on the broadcast sixth. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the one, the, the, the touchdown from Purdy to Ayuk was just a thing of beauty. And it, it really, um, it showed, I mean, this, this season showed one, how, what a tough guy uh, Ayuk really is, but also to me the 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 you know signature play in some ways of this season may have been in this Commanders game, simply from the standpoint of you have Purdy kind of showing that you know what makes him the quarterback that he is. Right, escapability. It's that, it's that athleticism and it's this escapability and it's the quickness and it's the. It's the play extending quickness that he showed. He spun out of pressure there. He finds Brandon Ayuk. He directs him to an open spot, and then he delivers a strike right on the money. Uh, it was it was the late in the down throw that Jimmy Garoppolo could not make that kept the the cap on the Niners offensively, and despite the presence of Shanahan and all these weapons, is Jimmy couldn't make the late in the down play that Brock makes repeatedly. I mean, you're quoting Greg Cosell verbatim right there, right? Yeah, I mean, Greg, you know, it's funny. I always joke about, you know, they've now created all these soft ways of saying you failed, right? You know, he's right. not a, you know, there's a lot of, guy used to be a hacker. Now there's a lot of swing and miss in his game. You know, there's a little bit too much swing and miss in his game uh, right. when they're talking about a, a bad hitter. And yeah, I mean, this is a, another example of that. But yeah, I mean, Brock Purdy, um, you know, really bounced back. I mean, you know, this was a, the big question coming into this game was going to be the Ravens showed like how to beat Brock Purdy. And 
at least they they claim they did right uh which is flood zones that flood windows that he typically likes to throw in in the intermediate and down the field in the middle of the field with all kinds of extra bodies and force him to throw make throws outside and washington copied that formula to some degree and he did he was forced to make some plays outside and he looked a little uncomfortable early but he adjusted and um you know, that was the question is like, did the Niners have the answers to the defensive wrinkles that the Ravens kind of showed? And I think in this game, they kind of proved that they did. Well, against the caliber of the commander's secondary, I don't know if it's exactly a straight draw one line through the next. I mean, the, the, the commanders found themselves deep into their secondary's depth chart before the game even started. And then it got worse for them in the game. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's anything that really phases Brock, including the game that he is throwing four interceptions in. Again, sometimes you show who you are when things are going at their worst, right? Yeah. It's it's easy it's easy to maintain a strut when things are going well. It's another thing to not have a rattled demeanor about you when things are going poorly. And I was really impressed by Brock about that. And I know that this is people saying, you know, a week ago that sounded like excuses. This week, it sounds like some evidence of significant quarterback play being in that young man. You know, it, it's the, the, the clarity of hindsight is amazing. It really, truly is. Um, speaking of Brock, Larry, he's the first 49ers quarterback with 30 touchdown passes in a season since Jeff Garcia back in 2001. The franchise record is 36. That was Steve Young in 98. Um, uh, Young did it twice. Garcia did it twice. Joe Montana uh, John Brody and and now Brock Purdy is in that 30 touchdown neighborhood. He also became the 49ers single season passing yardage leader, as we've already discussed, and he did it in 16 games. So no Roger Maris asterisk needed in any way, shape or form. And now we get to the real impressive number. His eight games with a passer rating of 120 or higher are tied for the second most in a single season in NFL history, I mean, prolific efficiency is what the 49ers have come to expect from this guy. And he delivers more often than not. It's been one of the coolest things I have ever seen since covering Bay Area sports, any team, any season. Um, it's, you know, in sports, we're programmed to expect things. But we're also programmed to not expect things. Even while, even while Kyle Shanahan was cutting Trey Lance, he couldn't have expected this from Brock Purdy. You know, he's making the hardest choice of his career, and it turned out even better than even Shanahan could have possibly imagined. This is one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the 49ers. That's a big mouthful of quarterbacking compliment. No doubt. I mean, that's why this, you know... I it's funny. It's like it 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 hit me watching this guy, you know, in his rookie year, that um, you know, just just in camp, you know, and in mini camp, that what we were looking at was not was not nothing normal. It wasn't normal uh, to see a guy drafted last show up in mini camp and literally master every drill, like he had been there for five years. Right. And that's what he did. That's what this guy did. And when I kept seeing it, I kept that. And I'm like, am I watching what I think I'm watching? And, you know, you doubt yourself because every it's like, you know, it's like 
the too good to be true thing. How many things in life are too good to be true? In some ways, Brock Purdy's too good to be true. Um, and you so you, immediately you're like, oh, this there's got to be another shoe to drop here. There's this has got to be you know fool's gold. There's got to be some some return to the mean or what you know you know there had to be some bounce right. back market correction a market yeah some correction. something and 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 it was, everybody was logical to 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 be expecting that and to be waiting for that and I understood that but um you know the more I saw this guy I saw this is guy this guy's the real deal yeah you know he's he's got not only does he have all the physical traits that you're looking for arm strength quickness. Uh, body strength. He's kind of a thick guy. Um, you know, it's as far as he's not, he's not super tiny, even though he's not the biggest broad shouldered six, five guy, he's not small. He's 225 pounds or whatever. Um, he's got some size on him. He's, he's, he's a decent sized player. And then he's also got great quickness, but his, his true gifts are, you know, the heart, the brain, you know, right. everything that you can't see. Stuff that you can't see, and that's why people miss because you can't see what makes him great. It doesn't. It doesn't readily. It's not readily apparent unless you actually watched Iowa State football. And how many of us actually watched Iowa State football? Not very many. Um, and and so it's like you know, I I, I was la- I've really laughed to myself when people scoffed when I was like, man, this guy's this guy's a little bit better than you think, you know. Um, and it was like, Oh, come on, come on, come on. You know, it's either Lance or Garoppolo. Um, and yet I was, I've been at all these camps and all these practices and this guy was clearly better than Garoppolo, uh, much more consistent than Lance, much, much better of a playmaker than Sudfeld. And it was like, I'm sitting there watching this going, am I watching this right? And sure enough, here we are what a couple short years later, this guy's not just a starting quarterback of the team. He's a star. And on the, you know, if he wins a cut, if he finds a way to finish this and get this done in Vegas, this guy is going to be the biggest story in the NFL, regardless of team, which means he's the biggest story in American sports, <laughs> right? That's what I that mean, means. That's an amazing distance to travel from, Mr. Irrelevant last pick in the draft. Nobody really believes in you. You're going to get cut for Nate Sudfeld to you made the team. You've won games. You've won playoff games. I mean, if by chance this guy gets to and wins the Super Bowl two and oh last year, I guess two and one, um, he would he would wind up being five and one in the playoffs if he wins the Super Bowl with an unbelievable statistical a resume and an, an incredibly uh, strong regular season record. If you want to give him that. So it's an amazing story. It absolutely is an amazing story. And then to see him get the game ball last night to see Trent Williams, embrace him outside the locker room and just say, Hey man, way to go to see his teammates kind of support him. Debo walk in, walking in with a Brock Purdy for MVP jacket that, Kyle Hughes wife made. Um, I mean, it was easy, but it was, it was classic. And uh, Brock Purdy is just continuing to play at a very, very high level. And people laughed. I said he was better than Herbert people. I had Bruce Jenkins send me a note. Oh, you may want to rethink that. Stick, stick to baseball, big boy. I, I got it over here. You're going to be just fine over there. Uh, I, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, Herbert sucks, but I mean, 
you know, Brock Purdy's playing at a very, very high level. And don't just because he's not 6'5, 230 with an a- absolute howitzer doesn't mean that in any way he's some low end second tier quarterback. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and I think one of the biggest reasons why Brock Purdy gets denied by people who want to deny what they're actually seeing is because they're overly invested in pretending that they know about the draft and selling the draft as its standalone media event that it's become and the importance of the draft. And Brock Purdy has essentially spit in the eye of all the draftism out there. To me, I think it's the, the exact opposite. I really do. Like, this just shows you the importance of the draft. Forget the fact that he might have been passed over all of those rounds. The point is, is you can find an NFL player anywhere in that draft. It's Drafts are important. And Brock Purdy, I think, gets scored against because he's diminished the draft. When I think if you want to look at it from the other perspective, he has illuminated how important it is. You can find a franchise-changing player in the last round of a draft, it's not just Brock. It's not just Tom Brady anymore. It happened again. You know, it wasn't lightning. Lightning is struck twice, I guess. So, isn't um, it classic? Isn't it? I mean, not to interrupt you, but isn't it classic how we're in a market now, Damon, where um, Trey Lance and James Wiseman were drafted high, and Trace Jackson Davis and Brock Purdy were drafted almost at the very bottom. Yes, and yet. Trace is worlds better than Wiseman and Purdy is worlds better than Lance. Yeah, no, it, it's really something else. There is an awful lot of correlation there for sure. Uh, you're, you're probably aged out of um, having seen the movie Ratatouille, Larry. Have you seen Ratatouille, the Disney movie? Pixar movie? <laughs> I, did. I did. Believe me, I've got, <laughs> okay. I've got four kids. I've seen Ratatouille. Okay. And it's a very well-made flick. It is. And the whole point of Ratatouille, the, 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 the restaurant critic at the end. It's better with a couple gummies, but yes. Yes. Like all Disney movies. Yeah. Um, but look, the whole point of Ratatouille is the very embittered restaurant critic who thinks that greatness must be, you know, French born, you know, uh, uh, you know, blue ribbon trained chef. And that's the only kind of cuisine he's interested in the entire you know, aha of that entire movie is him realizing, you know, not everyone has greatness in them. Like, that's a lie that a lot of people are sold. Everyone can be great. No, not everyone can be great. Greatness is not an option for everyone. But greatness can come from anywhere. It can come from anywhere. Look at me getting all ratatouille on everyone, but it's the truth. (laughs) Greatness can come from anywhere. It's not within everyone, but it can come from anywhere. Wake up, jump the shark. It was the ratatouille show and their numbers plummeted from there. It was, it was the famous ratatouille Monday on January 1st. And it took the whole thing down. Do you see how stoned Damon and Larry were for that January 1st show where they talked about Ratatouille for two and a half hours? I mean, it was a breakdown of animated stuff. You know, I thought he was great. I thought he was funny. I enjoyed it. I took Tate. We had popcorn. I told him no better. My wife said, what do you want to put on? Uh, I got Disney Plus. And I said, honey, I, I wrote down one name and I put it in an envelope. 
Let it's me tell you, Larry. It's ratatouille. Ratatouille. We're watching Ratatouille. Hey, let me tell you that rat had some ACLs on him. I'll tell you that, rat. Tell you that, Larry. And that, and you know, similar to the way he went through all the junky food, I go through it, each and every draft prospect, and I take a deep look, a deep dive. Ultimately, what we saw there with Ratatouille is a rat that really took a deep dive. I take a deep dive when I'm looking at free safeties, Lowry. People are going to think the show's about to end if we're doing Ralph and Trent already <laughs> talking to each other. So let's sure welcome, is a shortened show. Let's welcome everyone to wake up here with Damon and Larry. Happy New Year to you, Niners fans. You are the one seed. You are home for the postseason. And should you go to the Super Bowl, that is an 85-minute, 95-minute plane ride into Vegas. So the team's not going to leave the time zone for the rest of the year. That is a luxury unto itself. And they have the single biggest, I think, you know, force multiplier of who the Niners are. And Tim Kawakami was writing an article pretty much about this. Um, and, and I was reading a little of it this morning on our, while I was making coffee to come on down here and, and talk with you, Larry, the, the whole point of the Niners is they're pretty much good enough to beat anyone anywhere, anytime in the regular season. But if you want to be dealing with a monster, baking a little rest into that equation, when the Niners have had their rest, when they've been healthy that's when they've put their most overwhelming statements of football out on the football field. And what a luxury that they've worked all regular season to be able to afford for themselves the rest that is now built in, not only to the bye week, but thanks to the Arizona Cardinals muffin baskets for everybody in Arizona. Send flowers to the Bidwells. Send flowers to Kyler Murray and send send the biggest basket you got to James Conner. Oh my God, Larry. The Arizona Cardinals. The worthless, hapless, always pain in the ass Arizona freaking Cardinals did the Niners one of the greatest favors any team has ever done for another team by taking out the Eagles at the link on Sunday. What an unbelievable turn of events. So not only do you have the wild card bye week built in, but you got a full on it don't matter week 18 game against the Rams. I never really thought that that was going to happen uh, when they when the 49ers dumped the game to the Ravens on Christmas, I thought that that ship had sailed. I thought that they were going to have to go 2-0 and because I really, even though I missed her, anyone could beat anybody on any given day. I didn't see the Eagles losing at home to the Cardinals, but it happened. Well, oh, I know. And way to go, Jonathan Gannon. And way to go, Cardinals. And Kyler was great. And Dorch made a huge play. And, yeah, I mean, the Eagles are reeling. And their fans are jumping ship. They're booing their team off the field. The play calling in that game was horrible by Sirianni. Literally, Eagles fans who were in the Super Bowl last year praising Sirianni as better than Shanahan and one of the top-tier coaches in all of football. And here we are, January 1st, 2024, and there's people... Get rid of this guy. This guy, you know, and they're ripping his his uh, Italian heritage. They're ripping his... I mean, it's like, this guy can't coach. But some of the plays yesterday, I mean... They had like a third and 16 play and they ran Hertz off the right side like he was going to run for 16. I mean, it's like, what the hell play call was that? A.J. Brown's looking around like, dude, 
Remember when we used to throw the ball, I don't know, down the field on third and 16? Um, you know, they, there's, they're in a bad way right now. The Eagles are in a bad way. And the Cardinals, I mean, that was a perfect spot for them. You know, it's like they're, they're trying to send a message. They're trying to establish a culture. Um, and they did. They went a great distance to establishing a culture. They didn't have Buda Baker early in the year. They do have him now, and he's obviously a great, great player. He made a number of big plays yesterday. But, you know, it's interesting, Damon. You hit on one other thing about the Niners and how they, you know, they with rest, they're really dangerous. If you just chart and you say, well, what is it? What is it? What are we really talking about? What's the impact of fatigue? Okay. Where are you seeing it? And to me, it's the, there's one stat that you got to look at. It's look at the Niners missed tackles. Okay. This is what it's been this year. Week one, seven, week two against the Rams, that's Steelers, week two against the Rams, eight, week three. So they're not early in the year. A lot of times teams miss tackles because there's not a lot of live hitting in training camp. Right. And the regulars don't get a lot of preseason action. So, right. Always always ahead of the hitters in a major league season, blah, blah, blah. So you're going to see some missed tackles first couple of weeks. Sure enough, they did. Okay. Now you get to week three. Three against the Giants, that's a very low number. Four against Arizona, that's an incredibly low number because that was James Conner. Two against Dallas, so they were absolutely peaking, right? Yeah. So now you get to October, and here come, you're getting a little bit fatigued. You're you're building up a number of games. Guys are getting dinged up. Ten against Cleveland, nine against Minnesota, 13 against the Bengals, and Shanahan described his team as fatigued and a little slow. And so then they, they get the bye. Okay. They get the week off of rest. They come back the next week. They only had missed seven against Jacksonville, low number, uh, four against Tampa, low number, five at thanks on Thanksgiving in Seattle, very low number. Then they missed 12 in Philly, despite the fact that they won the game. Then they missed 14 in the return trip against Char- uh, Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker in the game at Levi's. Uh, there were a lot of missed tackles in that game. Then they missed 16 against Arizona. Then they missed a bunch, I'm sure, against the Ravens. I don't have that number in front of me, but that's where the fatigue shows itself. Here's the thing. I don't even think they missed a number of tackles against the Ravens. They just threw a lot of interceptions against the Ravens. Yeah. No, because they were, and you know why they wouldn't miss a lot of tackles against the Ravens? Because they were really up for that game. You right. know, I mean, when they get up for a game and they're really getting your a, their A game, they don't fall off tackles as much, but they expended a lot of energy to to be in that situation. Now you've got two weeks to rest up. It's like double bye week. And I just think that what you're really going to see is you're going to see them just like tackling machines coming out of this thing. And that makes them, you know, I mean, we know they're an offense that can score 30 and they sometimes will go for 40. And if they've got a defense that's rested and ready and at full tilt tackling wise, they're going to be nearly impossible to, to, to get out of there. You know, it, there are certain positions on the field where you can't really measure an impact statistically and maybe chief among all of those positions is D tackle. D-tackle doesn't come with glorified stats usually attached to it. One of the reasons why Hargrave really stung, you know, stood out for the Niners to go pursue is because of all of the sacks that he had as a D-tackle in Philadelphia, and he's had a good number this year too. 
But Eric Armstead has never really been a sack artist, but he is someone who eats up blockers and makes everyone along that defensive line function so much better than they do without him. And getting Eric Armstead back for the playoffs, rested and healthy, I, I can't think of a bigger development to improve this defense than that. Did you see the video that I retweeted? Everybody who doesn't follow me on Twitter, please go follow me on Twitter at Sports Larry K. I tweeted out an Eagles rant from this guy who's just, I mean, it's so it's so foul. I can't even play it on here, right? It's just it's over the top foul. I mean, he's attacking Sirianni. But oh, it's just shit. irate fan watching TV. Yeah, I've seen it. Did you see it? I mean, yeah. just like, you know, and what do they call? <laughs> just like yeah, that's a guy's just losing his mind. He's insulting Sirianni's heritage. He's he's you know, this guy was in the Super Bowl last year. Greg is says, I'm sure Larry regrets claiming Howie Roseman is the best GM in football earlier this year. He's one of them. No, there's no doubt. I I wouldn't take that back at all. I mean, Howie Roseman is a phenomenal general manager. That's why the Eagles are so talented. I mean, the Eagles are a massive amount of talent. I mean, that they, they're hurting in a certain spots and they and they lost their both coordinators. But Howie Roseman is an awesome, awesome general manager um, and and has done it both with trades, free agents and the draft. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's just right now the 49ers have got it really rolling. And yesterday couldn't have been a whole lot better. And watching the guys like run off into the locker room after they saw that that Arizona had pulled the upset uh, was incredible to see. And now they get a couple weeks to just practice and kind of hone their craft and sleep in their own beds and rest up and, um, you know, bring it on. I, this is a great opportunity. And I do get the feeling that Shanahan has learned from past, you know, past seasons little things that he probably doesn't even discuss from practice habits to ways to keep his team slightly fresher to ways to react to certain situations. Um, I, I think that he's definitely gotten, you know, the experience of having failed and, um, and we'll see if they can get it done this year. This is, you know, their standards as we all know this year are super bowl or bust. So we'll see if, you know, right now they've set themselves up and now, it's about, I mean, Dante Whitner said it great. Um, he said, hey, now it's about, you know, the dedication and how hard you're going to work and commit to, you know, the soul, you know, the next three, four weeks to, to um, you know, getting your, your goals accomplished. He said, we didn't, you know, focus like we should have, uh, talking about the Harbaugh team that lost to the Ravens. And he's like, we came three points shy of the Super Bowl. And you can tell it haunts him to this day. And it's like he's thought about New Orleans and that Super Bowl loss to the Ravens an awful lot because that's as close as he ever got to a ring. And so you get this close, you want to take your best shot. And I'm sure Shanahan will verbally implore them to do exactly that. Well, just like, you know, it, it was absurd to say, well, Brock Purdy's not going to get any better. It's crazy to think that Kyle Shanahan's not going to get any better. Of course he's going to get better. He's a really yeah. smart guy. He knows exactly what he's doing. And, you know, he, he might be um, stubborn in particular, and some people want to, again, nitpick more of this, less of that. But when you look at the totality of everything that this team has accomplished offensively, again, the 49ers, the first team in NFL history 
to have a running back, two wide receivers, and a tight end, each post a thousand or more yards from scrimmage in a single season. Um, it, it's it's really impressive. To get back to just finishing up the just the facts, because this is really an amazing fact on Christian McCaffrey, who needs no more you know, flowers handed to him. I think everybody realizes that Christian McCaffrey is probably going to finish in the top three of MVP voting. And oh, by the way, if on Christmas Lamar became the clubhouse leader, he sunk the putt on the 18th hole to be your MVP against the Miami Dolphins, a five touchdown performance for Lamar. You can just give him that MVP trophy right now. It should be his, but so. um, McCaffrey played his 30th game with the 49ers in D.C. That is including the postseason. 30 games as a member of the 49ers. In 30 games with this team, he scored 34 total touchdowns, which is the second most touchdown scored by a player in their first 30 games with a team in NFL history. Only Gale Sayers has more. Gale Sayers. <laughs> Kansas <laughs> Comet. <laughs> excuse the me hall of famer gail sayers the greatest open field runner in nfl history like that's what barry sanders will tell you about gail sayers um 36 touchdowns for gail sayers in his first 30 games mccaffrey with 34 touchdowns in 30 games that's madden that's pretend football that that doesn't happen and it it happened with him he's so good he is so special and um the fact that he gets two weeks off now is going to increase the violence. I mean, you saw him popping off. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is seven yards down the field every time he touches the ball almost, unless he's like taking a three-yard loss because a team just gobbled up that screen pass that was thrown to him. I mean, he is he is so good. He is the most fallenest forward running back in this league since Derrick Henry. And we're talking about two completely different body types. Um, he, he is, he's so special. And having said all that, Larry, it was really good to see Elijah Mitchell come in against the commanders for the first time, the entire season, someone other than Christian McCaffrey was the 49ers leading ball carrier in a game. Elijah Mitchell has not had the needle fall on him very often. It did on Sunday. And boy, I thought he really answered the bell. Larry, uh, Elijah Mitchell hasn't looked that good, that effective since his rookie year. Battling injuries, it's been a tough comeback, um, but he he looked crisp. I really liked what we saw out of Eli Mitchell. Oh, he's good. He's good. I mean, you know, it's so funny because um, I remember the day before the Niners traded for Christian McCaffrey. I'm interviewing one of their beat writers in the stadium after practice, and I said to him, um, man, I'm seeing some rumors about Christian McCaffrey every week. Who is it? I mean, this isn't, it's, it's okay that that person was wrong. We're allowed to be wrong in sports sometimes. Who, who was it? Who who was it? It was the great Cam Inman. Oh, okay. The great Cam Inman said, Hey, they don't need, they're not going to trade for Christian McCaffrey. I said, why? Because they don't need him. They've got Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson. And <clears throat> it wasn't a ridiculous answer at the time. Look, it because- wasn't a need. It was a want. Right. Well, I mean, also, and also McCaffrey, you know, it's like, I don't need a Lamborghini. I've got a, you know, I've got a uh, Honda CRV. You had a Corvette Lamborghini with a Corvette, you know, so. (laughs) Okay. Well, maybe uh, one's a Corvette, one's a Lamborghini. Either way, though, McCaffrey was really, really special. And 
you know, here, here it was, you know, yesterday, he's already been used a ton and he gets 18 touches and he gains 91 yards from scrimmage. Um, but then he suffers the strained calf muscle. And, you know, I was going to say that today's a significant day because Kyle will speak later today. And um, he says, we'll find out more uh, on Monday um, about about his calf. Uh, you know, Shanahan said after the game, we think he'll be all right. I don't know if he would have been able to go next week or not, but we'll we'll have to find out more on Monday. He was moving around all right on the sideline, so hoping it's not too bad. But, yeah, Elijah right. Mitchell, you know, um, really productive running back in college, and he played at Louisiana, and he's got – you know, four, three speed, but it, you don't really see that when you watch him. The th- only downside to his game is he's got kind of a between the tackles, big man's game, but it's the pick and the slide and the ability to find the opening and to, you know, basically, you know, run to daylight and hold on to the football and the balance. And, you know, when he gets two steps going, I mean, he's got to get two steps going but if he gets two steps going, man, he's really a hard guy to tackle for a loss. He's he's slithery. He falls forward. He's got great instincts. He doesn't fumble the football. And well, so, no, yeah, that, those are great traits right there. I mean, that's why that's why he's earned the trust of Kyle Shanahan. I think in an ideal world, Shanahan would use Mitchell in the biggest games in this playoff and Super Bowl run as his second half closer. That's what he wants to use Mitchell as. Look, there is no shame in not being as good as Christian McCaffrey. You can be a really, really good running back and still not be as good as Christian McCaffrey is. You know, it's the difference between were you good at it? Are you a Hall of Famer? Christian McCaffrey's a Hall of Fame running back. He's going to Canton. It's going to happen. And if he has a Super Bowl, it's definitely going to happen. I mean, it is definitely going to happen, I think, anyway. So um, he he is a wildly special player. The Niners knew that they were um, probably over-investing in a difference maker, but they were willing to make that choice because they thought this guy is enough of a difference maker to make this much of a difference, and folks, he has. Well, it's it, it, you know, nothing big and cashed in huge at the window with Christian McCaffrey. And and it's really ironic too because it's because of picks like Elijah Mitchell that they were able to trade a two, a three, a four, and a five for Christian McCaffrey. They hit on so many of their after the draft and day three picks in on this roster that they were able to trade four four picks for one player because they have the depth because of guys like Elijah Mitchell. I mean, just kind of this game yesterday in a lot of ways was the John Lynch bowl. You know, it's <laughs> like, it really was. He stole Trent Williams from Washington in a one-sided trade. He stole chase young and Randy Gregory, um, you know, this year in very one-sided trades, he stole Christian McCaffrey in a very one-sided trade. And then he found guys like Elijah Mitchell um, and, and Diamador Lenore, you know, on day on day three of the draft. So, I mean, it was, um, and all those guys played significant roles yesterday in the, in the, you know, the return to DC for Trent and chase. I mean, it wasn't a particularly huge day for chase. Um, he hasn't made that much of a difference really. I don't think, but he's, he's a good player. I uh, look at it this way at the price point. He, he could be commanding. 
they might walk away from him at the end of the year. They might, but they but the price but the price was right as far as what they traded to get him. Oh, absolutely. And Randy Gregory was just like basically just a gift from Denver to the Niners. I mean, yep. if I were if I were another contender, I'd be like, wait a second, the Niners traded like the last pick of the sixth round for like the third pick of the seventh round just to you know and got Randy Gregory and you guys paid the salary. You know, I, I'd almost want uh you know, there to be some kind of Roger Goodell investigation there as, <laughs> as to, well, you know, why did they take so little for a, a pass rusher like Randy Gregory? We're talking about uh, guys put in different situations, watch them excel, sink or swim. Cleland Farrell's appointed himself very well this year for the Niners. He's been a big piece of what they've done, too. Um, and he's but- been he's benefited from those trades, Damon, because when Cleland Farrell, he, he kind of runs out of gas. If you notice, Cleland Farrell oftentimes is really, really good at the beginning of the game and the beginning of a half, because when he's rested, he can really dial up some some, uh, you know, pretty good quickness to go with his you know, strong against the run capabilities. So, um, yeah, Clee Farrell on this team, I mean, he was really strong yesterday. He was. Um, Greg Khan's comment has been up too long. We don't need Howie Roseman being a part of the show for hours <laughs> on end. Um, welcome to Wake Up with Damon and Larry. It's great to have you here. Hit like, hit subscribe. I see an awful lot of uh, regulars in your chat, Larry, in our chat here as we simulcast on our channels. Again, thanks for all the support for these channels all season long. And I can tell you, we're just getting started. 2024 is going to be a huge year for both Larry and I here on YouTube. Uh, We're excited about being here. Larry's been incredibly helpful to me. Larry's audience has been incredibly receptive. Um, We've shared an awful large portion of the audience throughout our careers and to bring it all together here has been an awful lot of fun. Uh, the Just the Facts segment has gone on longer than Kevin Kruger is going to want to edit through it. So let me just wrap up with this here, uh, Larry. The defense. The defense yesterday, 43 consecutive games now without allowing an individual 100-yard runner. It's the second longest streak in the NFL in 23 seasons. Mooney Ward punctuated what has really been a career year from him. Uh, biggest play of the game, I thought, for the 49ers is the as the commanders were maybe about to make that game more interesting than any 49er fan wanted it. He had that big interception at the five yard line. And if he wasn't a touched, he might've housed that thing. Uh, but he was grace. He was down at the five. And then the Niners went on and scored. Um, Diamador Lenore had his third interception of the season, but Mooney's interception on Sunday was his fifth of the season. That's a career high for him. You got to send that guy to the Pro Bowl. He's been fantastic. And one of the stress points, one of the biggest stress points coming into this year during the three-game losing streak, especially after the loss in Cleveland, was, oh, Jake Moody, Jake Moody, Jake Moody. I don't know if I believe in Jake Moody. I don't know if I trust Jake Moody. Well, Jake Moody had another perfect day kicking on Sunday. And beyond that, Larry, His 58 straight points after touchdown are now the most by a rookie kicker in NFL history. Considering where the point after touchdown is kicked from now, that's officially an impressive statistic because that statistic is, you know, being measured against a whole bunch of rookie kickers who are kicking, you know, 15 yarders because the ball was spotted at the three. Um, So Jake Moody 
you know, one of the worry spots on this team has become as dependable a rookie kicker as I, I think you, you could have hoped for. He's had an exemplary year beyond the missed kick in Cleveland. Where's the demerit against Jake Moody's rookie season? He's been spectacular. Well, the Niners think they've got their kicker for the next decade, and they probably do. They probably do, and good for them. Uh, they, you know, the, the one thing they, they, you know, the the Niners uh, were not a great special teams unit a couple years ago um, under Richard Hightower, and they brought in Brian Schneider from Seattle, who's a very respected veteran special teams coach. Um, they invested money in guys like George Odom and Ray Ray McLeod in free agency. They invested draft picks and draft capital in a third in the form of Jake Moody, a fourth in the form of Mitch Wisnowski. They've got nice special teams right now. They got a good long snapper. They got a great, excellent young kicker. They got an excellent young punter. Um, you know, they're, they're making plays on special teams. Womack. I wish the return game were a bit better. And, you know, Ronnie Bell had a decent game. I, I think Sunday he he didn't make any special team mistakes, um, but he I, I still that's Ayuk's job come playoff time I think right I I, th I think you're right too I hope it is I hope it is because there 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 can't be any Kyle Williams memories and flashbacks come postseason time that just cannot happen um, beyond everything else this is the tenth time in franchise history that the 49ers have clinched the one seed only the 10th time in franchise history. The 49ers have won 10 regular season games against NFC opponents in consecutive seasons for the first time since 97, 98. I mean, Larry, I was in college, you know, in, in 1995. So we're, we're talking about, you know, almost 30 years ago. Right. I mean, um, so the 49ers, again, while people have been bitching and moaning and telling you what doesn't work about this team, they've had an incredible amount of sustained success under Kyle Shanahan. They went 7-2 and two on the road this season and 4-0 and oh against the NFC East. So they've, they've, they've been really good for a really long time. Have there been some blips and bumps in the road? Look around football. Who's got a smooth path? Who's, you know, outside of Kansas City. And I really do think that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs so distorted expectations of football teams at the zenith of their dynasty. Everyone started thinking that that's the new normal. Like some people in the NBA started watching the Warriors during their dynasty. And Steve Kerr would come on my show every single week and say, Damon, this isn't the real NBA. What, what, what we are, what is happening, this isn't real. This is this is imagination land, and we're just living in it right now. But this is not the real NBA. The real NFL means you are going to get punched in the teeth at least two, three times a year. And fans overreact to those teeth punchings. You should expect it. It's going to happen. There's no such thing as going undefeated. I don't think, Larry, in our lifetimes, we're never going to see an undefeated football team in a 17-game regular season schedule. It's not going to happen. This league is built to destroy success, to make it disintegrate right when you think you've got it. And the very truth is, is even a four-game losing streak, like, like if you go a month without a loss, you just had a monster fucking month. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. Putting three wins together at any point in time in this league is hard to do. And the Niners have had multiple five-game winning streaks in this season. So um, they're good. They're really good. They're really well-built. They're really well maintained, and uh, 
And for those who have been insisting the opposite of that for years now, they're looking a little foolish with a one seat attached to the Niners before the regular season even ends. So an unbelievable season, an unbelievable couple of years. And, you know, I, I already know I can hear it. I can feel it in the comments. It hasn't, I don't think I've seen it yet, but I can, I can feel it coming. Somebody is about to say, well, you know, the Niners are 0-38 when they're down eight points in the fourth quarter. And Kyle Shanahan is 0-38 when down eight points in the fourth quarter. And look, that's not great, but it's very normal. It's very normal. I don't know if you saw this tweet from Mike Sando, but Larry, I took a screenshot of it and I saved it for this show because I wanted to bring it up. And I was actually at a New Year's Eve party some drunk guy comes up to me and argues with me for a little while. And I busted this out because he's the first thing he said was, Oh, and 38 when down eight points, Kyle still can't do it. He's never won the big one. I mean, this guy's got the third most playoff wins in franchise history already, but he's never won a big one. Can't win a big game. Uh, playoff games apparently are not big games unless it's the Super Bowl. but okay. Um, oh, and 38 down eight or more in the fourth quarter since Kyle Shanahan has become head coach. Okay, so we're going back seven years of data points. This is from Mike Sando. All teams in football, the entire NFL, when down eight or more points in the fourth quarter, is 98, 1,337, and four. <laughs> so all teams in the NFL, where Kyle has a zero percentage of winning because he's 0-38. All teams in the NFL are 7%. You're down eight points in the fourth quarter. There is a 93% chance you lose that game. Again, that it's it's the entire league sucks when down eight points in the fourth quarter. Here's the here's the Shanahan stat that I think is the most pertinent stat. The two years prior to Shanahan being here, the Niners were combined seven and 25. I would shut the fuck up about Shanahan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They're seven and 25. Right. Guess what they are this year? 12 and four. Guess what they were last year? 13 and four. Guess what they were in 2021? 10 and seven. Guess what they were in 2019? 13 and three. I mean, they've he's been pretty good. He turned around an entire roster in two years and rebuilt it on the fly, and he didn't even have the quarterback he really wanted or envisioned until this very year, and look at the success that they've had. But again, just to go back to Mike Sando again and the 0 for 38, all teams in football are winning at a 7% clip when down eight points in the fourth quarter. Kansas right. city has the best winning percentage when down eight in the fourth quarter. And that winning percentage is 300. They're six and 14 down eight in the fourth quarter. Green Bay would be next at seven and 34. That is a 171 winning percentage. Seattle in the same time down. Oh, down eight points in the fourth quarter is Seattle's one and 38. Carolina is one and 58. Indianapolis is one 36 and one Baltimore is two and 22. Dallas is two and 37 new England with bill Belichick with bill fucking Belichick, the greatest 
head coach in NFL history, Bill Belichick, when he's down eight points in the fourth quarter in the last seven years, is three and 35. So So, you're saying if you're down eight in the fourth quarter, you typically lose. Yes. Yes. You have a 93% chance of losing that game. So Mike Sando goes on to say, so no one really wins under this scenario. So to say that Kyle Shanahan is the only guy in football who can't win under this scenario is absurd. Well, just remember this. Remember this. Anytime somebody quotes you a stat, make them quote you where it ranks in the league. Because the stat doesn't have relevance until you can tell me where it ranks. Right. Measure it against something else. Exactly. Tell me where it ranks in the league. Tell me where you tell me where if you want to rip Kyle Shanahan. Great. Tell me where he ranks among his peers. If you want to fire Kyle Shanahan, that's fine, too. Tell me who you're going to replace him with. (laughs) I mean, it's like that's the thing we can't. With the people and and you know the way it is, um, we do we do YouTube channels, and people accuse guys like us of doing shows for clicks and and this and that. You're only doing it for clicks on your YouTube channel. Um, okay, that's fine, but if if you talk about Jake Brendel and Spencer Burford, you get seventeen people in the room. If you talk about the quarterback, you get more. And if you talk about the head coach, you get more. And so I think we I'm not the only person who's noticed this. Other people have as well. And so they park their car at the corner of Trey Lance Boulevard and Brock Purdy's not good enough Avenue. And when that turned out to be, uh, you know, a huge, gigantic, colossal fuck up, then it was like, okay, wait a second. We'll pivot to Shanahan. He can't we'll coach. Do, we'll kick Shanahan in the nuts every single live stream, and that will fill up the. And so th- this is what's going on. You've got people who take shots at Brock, but now Brock's almost unassailable. He's literally a the greatest investment in their in their recent past. Uh, you know, the last pick in the draft, and he's an MVP candidate. So now it's like, okay, what's going to fuel the growth of my channel? I got to kick Shanahan in the nuts 17 times this week. Otherwise, um, you know, I've got, I'll be, I'll be rendered talking about Kevin Givens and nobody will be clicking. Ah, you know what I mean? So it becomes a huge let's park on the corner of Shanahan sucks. And, and that's a fallacy. So it's just, it's the, it's the way of the world. It's the way of the internet. It's, I, I, I understand it. Shanahan hasn't done it yet. We get it, but he's a relatively young man in the game. He's only right. been the Niners. He's only been a head coach since 2017. It's not like this guy was like a 15 year head coach somewhere else. He's only been a head coach for a short amount of time. Um, yes, he's aged in this job, but he was, he's still a relatively young man in the, in the game. Um, you know, there's an awful lot of people in Philly that had decided that Andy Reid sucked and that he couldn't climb to the top of the mountain. In reality, it takes a great head coach and quarterback combination, and then you've got to have talent around that player, you know, but it really starts there. You start with your head coach and your quarterback. He didn't quite have the cast. Uh, he lost to some good Brady teams, you know, and he lost once in the Super Bowl. 
now he's got Brock Purdy and a really good roster and, you know, a, a great chance. And we'll see. I mean, if, if 10 years from now, uh, Kyle Shanahan is still walking around with no rings, then maybe people are onto something. But until then, I think you got to let it play out. If they go to the NFC championship game, which, you know, they're one win away from, um, they will have been there four times in the last five years. So everybody needs to pump the fucking brakes. Right. And, 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 and see and this remember, guy for it, what he is. The Eagles said, we, we got to get rid of Andy Reid when he was in what four consecutive NFC title games or whatever it was. And, and they only went to one Super Bowl, and then Donovan McNabb threw up in the fourth quarter and blah, blah, blah. Um, Andy Reid is a really good coach. And you should be able to recognize that until you see the picture of him holding a Lombardi trophy. Now, obviously, that's the zenith of coaching. That's what everyone is get, you know, gunning for. But if you need to see someone holding a Lombardi trophy before you can even acknowledge they're good at this, what you're admitting to the entire world is you don't even know what you're looking at. You are unqualified to be someone discussing football with any like gravitas or authority, or you shouldn't even have an audience if your entire modus operandi has been the 49ers during the Kyle Shanahan have been poorly run and incompetently coached. Like if that's where you live, good luck because <laughs> Super Bowl this year will officially have burnt your credibility to the ground forever and ever and ever. And you can never be taken seriously again. I mean, you're the, literally the, the boy who cried wolf. You're the boy who cried training camp interception. We know how, about the people, about. how about the people who decided that Brock Purdy didn't have an arm and and was a, and was Captain Checkdown? <laughs> I mean, if Brock, if Brock Purdy's anything, we wish he was a little bit more of Captain Checkdown. Right. He's a riverboat gambler. He's Brett Favre. Yeah. Tell me you might spend more time in the home insurance policy than you do covering sports if that's your, you know, uh, entire talking point. He only throws underneath the sticks. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't go downfield. Says what? Show me this. Show me the data. It's and then and then it's like, hey, you look, people, don't judge a book by its cover. You're doing that exact same thing. You're basically looking at this guy, going, hmm, he's not six four. He's not two forty. He must not drive it down the field. Instead of actually, I don't know, rolling back the ISU tape and watching a few games if you love football so damn much that you're gonna have a youtube channel maybe i don't know watch a game there you go take in a game why not yeah you know it's uh it, it's again when you said he's when, uh, he's gonna he's gonna this guy's gonna do nothing more than check it down or or i love this one when you I, don't know what I think the guy's about. the guy. I just don't think he's the guy long term. Right. <laughs> what does that even mean? So mm -hmm. you don't. So you're winning in the present, but but like you don't really believe that you think it's like lucky, but you don't want to say it's lucky because you know that sounds stupid. So then it's like, I think it's lucky. So I'll just say, I think he's the guy, but I don't think he's the guy long term. It's like, hmm, I, you know, I mean, it's like you. you Go get some wine and put it in a sifter. I, I drink no wine before it's time. You know when you yeah right. Look, stop. When, stop. When, you go, 
when you don't know what you're really talking about, complaining is effortless and it, it, it allows you to fill time. And, you know, I, I know we want to keep politics and sports in two separate, separate places, but sports have always been a microcosm of society. And if you ask me what is like the biggest problem society faces right now, it's that only the most extreme positions get the attention. Politically, that's true. Only the most extreme positions get the attention. Anyone trying to be reasonable walking down the middle of the street is ignored for the two lunatics shouting on either side of the street as far away from each other as you can get. That and is kind of true. And it's very true. much like that in sports. It's very much like that in sports. You can't come on and do well in ratings, I guess, if you want to have a reasoned adult conversation about what's actually happening. But if you have something that sounds like Brock Purdy sucks and Kyle Shanahan can't coach. Oh, well, I guess we'll pay attention to that guy for a minute. I don't I know. I will why. say this, though. I will say this. And I don't know if you caught any of the. Did you catch any of Toledo in the bowl game? No, no, I, I did not catch much Toledo. Was that the uh, was was that the Barstool Bowl? It was the Barstool Bowl. Okay, and I bring it up, Damon, because I watched it with my fourteen year old, and they had like one announcer, and then they had this guy Big Cat. Yeah, they had Big Cat and Portnoy in there, right? And Portnoy was on there, and in some ways, it was great. In some ways, it was better than a regular college football. It was uh, Wyoming Toledo. Wyoming won 16-15 on the, the 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 coach that's been there forever. Roll, I think I forget the guy's name is um, for Wyoming. Uh, won on a last second field goal to end his career at age sixty, and it was a, it was a, it was actually a very entertaining game. A walk uh, off into the sunset as a winner. Yeah, and 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 believe me, it was a fun game to watch too. It seriously, was it was a fun game to watch. Um, Toledo has a ridiculous return guy named Jacquez Stewart, who's got an had an eighty yard run. The guy was just awesome. I mean, it was just like you got to see this guy, Jacquez Stewart. All right, but you were saying something about the bowl and the anyway, broadcast. Is that where you're the going? broadcast is incredible? Was incredible. It's from. It's like. I could see that being kind of almost like it was the Arizona Bowl, the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. And I could see that being kind of like, you know, an, a, a, an alternative way to broadcast football. Like it's a college game, but they these guys were they, one guy was kind of calling the game. The other guys were just kind of chit chatting and just kind of talking trash and you know, they were rooted. Oh, Toledo had a tip pass that went to a, a offensive lineman. He ran it in for a touchdown. They're like, Hey, a fat guy touchdown. And they're right. You know, it was all irreverent and there was storytelling and it, it wasn't your typical broadcast, but like my 14 year old dug it. They were one of those guys, I guess is kind of a comedian and it was, it was entertaining. And it's like, I'm sitting there watching that. I'm thinking, you know what? This might be the future of, of college football, you know, play by play in some ways is that, you know, not so buttoned down and, you know, that's Harrison Whaley. He was a soft redshirt sophomore out of Tucson. And now it's a little bit more like, look at that fat guy that just scored. And, you know, and let's interview some fans and let's tell stories and let's, let's talk over each other and let's, you know, well, just have it be have like, have it be like a barroom type discussion. Um, it was really, I mean, 
I don't know if anybody else caught that, but it was really interesting considering it was it stood out among among all the different broadcasts that I've heard during this bowl season. And it was fun. It was a fun, cool atmosphere. I liked it. I I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. And I'm you know me, I'm hardcore football, but you know what? I love it. I mean, it's all about right. sitting back with your buddies, having some fun and chat, chatting it up. I think guys like you and I could do great stuff. You know, if we we're just on like opposite the game while the game's going on and just kind of chit chatting about, Hey, you know, just what we're watching without being super, yeah. you know, nobody's the true play by play guy. Nobody's the true color analyst. It's just kind of dudes. I, I don't want that dudes. in my Rose Bowl. I don't want that in a Sugar Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want that in the Super Bowl, but in right. the nobody's watching this Toledo, Wyoming, who gives a fuck bowl. Fine. Right. Fine. Or like That's an NFL perfect. preseason game would be kind of cool. You know, if you're just kind of right. chopping it up, you know, you're just. Well, remember, they it tried was interesting. It was, I don't know if anybody caught it, but it would, if you saw it and you're in the chat, I'd love to hear what you thought of the Barstool broadcast. Of Toledo, Wyoming. Because Larry, do you remember on Monday Night Football when they brought Dennis Miller in? I mean, yeah, Dennis I mean, Miller it, and Tony people Kornheiser went were the people, first. Like, let's try to do that. I mean, people lost their mind with that, and they wanted something a little bit more. But like, it's kind of a kind of a cross between play by play and the Manning cast. The Manning cast is like literally just guys hosting a talk show with the game in the background. Right. Who happened to be Hall of Fame quarterbacks and brothers. Right. This was more like kind of play by play, but with guys just kind of just guys kind of chopping it up in a bar. And it was cool. I really enjoyed it. I, I I sat there and at the end of it, I was like, you know what? I liked it. I liked it. Now I'm a somewhat of a bar stool fan. I'll buy some of their t-shirts and I'll listen to some of their podcasts and I, I kind of enjoy it. So um, and I don't need the super button down. Let's make every sophomore in high school sound important um, broadcast. But um, I don't know. I'd be interested. I know you're kind of a fan of the medium of broadcast. I'd be interested to see if you saw, you know, catch 20 minutes of it on YouTube. Tell me what you think. I will. I, I got to go back and, and, you know, rewatch the highlight package. The, the most amount of, my biggest takeaway from bowl season so far is the pop tart bowl. Like I I've just been, I've, I've been a little bit sick. I've been a little bit uh, surrounded by screaming kids and my mom and my wife. Like I, 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 today is the first day that I'm really going to sit in front of the TV and watch some college football here in bowl season. It's the first time I'm going to really get a chance to do that. Today um, is a great day for bowls, by the way. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin LSU is already underway and Wisconsin's up seven, nothing on LSU. LSU is a big favorite there, but I love Tennessee today against Iowa. Iowa cannot score to save their life. No, Tennessee's <laughs> Tennessee's only a five point favorite there. I like Bama against Michigan. I don't think you can give Nick Saban the kind of, this kind of time. Alabama's playing the best football, I think, in the country right now. Michigan's well, Jim Harbaugh a needs favorite. to slice a humble pie. He really does. And he I like does. I like UW tonight, man. I really do. I really do. I like uh, the Huskies to knock off the Longhorns. I know there's a lot of people that believe that Texas is, um, you know, is going to win that game. But I, I like I like the Huskies and Penix. Texas is four point favorites in that one, but I don't. I think that game's going to be a freaking shootout. Um, it, it, look, it would be great if we got 
<coughs> excuse me. Could you imagine, Larry? Uh, I mean, I just cannot stop coughing. It's been a fucking month. Um, <laughs> maybe, uh, you got, maybe you got the, uh, maybe you got the, uh, you know, the COVID. Have you thought no, about that? No, no, we believe me. We test, we try these things all the time. I got the spill. Right. It's just, it's, this is the new world we live in. Like you get sick, you're sick for a month these days. It's, it's a wonderful life. I mean, my, my, my kids' nicknames might as well be Petrie and Dish. They bring home. Oh, I know. Germs. Kids are germs. They touch everything. They put their hands in their mouth. Uh, it's, Mary, it's we were at the combo. We, we were at the Exploratorium, which if you know, you got a, a four-year-old kid, go to the Exploratorium. It's Exploratorium phenomenal. is awesome. Hands on everything. And I'm just thinking we are getting, we're, we're going to get, we're going <laughs> to. We are getting sick after this exploratorium experience. We have touched yeah. everything. There's a million people in here touching oh, it. You got little kids wiping their nose and touching the same dial that you're about to go touch all over. I mean, oh, man. But anyway. It's a gigantic uh, germ fest. I'll tell yeah. you, note, another good one right now is the um, the uh, one in Golden Gate Park. The uh, Academy of Sciences. Academy of Sciences with the with the butterfly, um, oh, yeah. butterfly, whatever the hell like they're calling that thing. I mean, these butterflies are flying all around you and stuff. It's, it's pretty pretty wild we spent my, my four-year-old literally he gets out of the tub stark naked wet and dripping and he takes the towel that's supposed to be drying him off he opens it up like he's a vampire and he goes running around the house going i'm a butterfly i'm a butterfly <laughs> and you know what do you do as a father you're like well hopefully this is gonna pass he's only four you know yeah, if, yeah. If, if if he's a 30 year old man running around naked in san francisco screaming i'm a butterfly it started back in 2023 yeah. we knew it then we knew it then we know it now but it's you know it's it's just it's something else um Look, welcome to uh, I'm a Butterfly with Damon and Larry. It's great to have you here this morning. Hit like and subscribe if you too are a a, a naked, wet butterfly. It's great to be amongst ourselves here. Um, hit like and subscribe. Uh, memberships available if you want to support what Larry and I are doing. I know both of our channels are offering memberships. It means an awful lot that you would come out and support us. But again, if you don't want to make any sort of, you know, financial commitment or anything like that that's cool just a like and a subscribe those are both free and easy to do even the subscribe might be a bridge too far how about just a you know a like make that algorithm favor us uh and, and thank you very much for the incredible support not just today but really all season leading up to this and and larry and i are going to be doing monday and friday shows for the rest of the year um I think even beyond football season, we got a little something here. There's an absolute demand for it, and there's certainly a need for it as we've watched the quality of sports talk radio just evaporate in Northern California. Are so, you saying that they don't have 1,200 people in the room right now over at the radio station? Probably not. Now, does that include does that include mine? Because I got about 300 sitting over here, so we got 1,500 people in the room and that's probably dwarfing the combined audiences of both stations. And this is what happens when you can't afford real talent and they've got an option to go beat you just by plugging a MacBook Pro in. So that's that's who we are. That's who we are. And then you give you give Larry the sports sauna, it's over. That's right. You give Larry the sports sauna and a, and a neon light, look out, everybody. Look at that. Kev got me that for Christmas. I'm loving that. The new Great. studio. So, so neon signs come in two flavors. That looks good or that looks tacky. That looks good. That's a really good looking neon sign. Kevin dropped some coin on that bad boy. 
Yeah, I mean it's the logo for the shirt, but yeah, I mean that's that you know, and and uh, you know it's I appreciate him. I appreciate him. He's down in San Diego partying with his uh, his girlfriend and enjoying the new year and going to a concert down there. Um, so well, awesome. So Kevin, just as this is the this is the young man you've raised, Larry, because he has been, you know, provide he he slices and dices up wake up with Damon and Larry and sends it to both of us. And Larry and I post, you know, the, the highlights of this show on our channels throughout the week, Kevin texted me and he's like, Hey man, I'm going to be like, I'm, I'm partying with my girlfriend. It's new year's Eve. It's new year's day. So I might not, you know, like you'll, you'll get more stuff on Tuesday or Wednesday this week. I wrote him back. I said, young man, go nuts. Have a great new year's Eve. You've been working so hard for us all year long. Oh, he's, uh, a, he's driven too. He's driven. I keep saying, he's saying to me now, dad, what is the plan uh, for January 1st? I'm like, what is the plan? I'm going to sit around, drink beer, watch college football. And, you know, uh, you know, that's the plan. I'm going to stream with Damon in the morning. Other than that, I'm going to sit around and watch college football. And I'm I'm making my famous crab cakes tonight. I I was going to make them last night, but I decided I would hold off and make them today. The crab cakes will get made today. You know what a pound of crab costs, by the way, in, in Northern California at Lenardi's right now? So they have yet to, I believe, officially drop the green flag on Dungeness crab season. So um, if look at it this way. If it was $25 a pound then, it's at least $35 a pound now, maybe, I'm guessing. Five bones a pound. Fifty. $50 a pound. $50 a pound for crab. $50 a pound. But you know what? It's New Year's Day, and I got the crab cake recipe, and you know, so I'm going to extend for fifty dollars. <laughs> we got this one here. Mike J says Larry loves crab cakes. Uh, yes, I do. I mean, Larry loves crab cakes, and Larry loves Casino Krugerfeller. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, oh. Oyster Krugerfeller. No, the, Oyster oh, Rockefeller. Oyster Rockefeller, which became the Oyster Krugerfeller down in Sam's Chowder House back in the uh, we're desperate to sell this postgame show to anyone. We'll have these guys drive to Half Moon Bay to do it. We didn't even care. That's how good the food was. Seriously. I mean, seriously, I, I mean I'm I'm driving to Half Moon Bay to do a 49er postgame show, and I couldn't care less because you know what? The the the, the restaurant was so damn good. Right, the there's a lot. It was so amazing. The end of that broadcast. The uh, Damon and I would dine after after the shows there at uh, at Sam's Chowderhouse, and uh, oh yeah, I mean oysters Rockefeller with the butter, the garlic, the spinach, the breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs, oh, the so oils. The I mean, it's just freaking amazing. Uh, I could probably dust off ten to twelve oyster oh, Rockefellers easy. if I had to. Easy. Easy. I take down 12. Here's the thing. I How many like Oyster Rockefellers could we take down? Should we have a contest? Should we just, how about the, I don't know. Like, you know, it's one of those things that if you get one bad oyster, you know, you've got like intestines cramps for like right. days. So you don't want to overdo it. It's every oyster is kind of a risk. Um, but feats of strengths and tests of courage in mean, an oyster just, eating contest. Well, I mean, and Sam's is a premier place. And I mean, it's very, very rare that you get a bad oyster at Sam's. But man, it's not the kind of thing that you want to be eating in mass. It's like it's roll. It's really rolling the dice. But I would say easily, 
I could polish off. I think they came six to a order, and I think I would order maybe two orders. We'd get two up there. We'd get yeah. two up, and I'd have three, and you'd eat, you'd eat nine. <laughs> yeah, it, but just I, amazing, I had- an amazing uh, oysters Rockefeller. Yeah, I would order the lobster roll with extra lobster on the side, and they would bring oh. it. It was ridiculous. Uh, and the lobster roll was just ridiculously fat, too, that you ordered. I mean, it was just heaving with lobster, just tons of lobster. It wasn't lobster tail, but no. it's lobster. Uh, lobster tail way, is is the richest food I think I've ever eaten in my, in my entire life. Oh, yeah. Did you know it used to be a peasant food? Like, the lobster was not... Anything but well, like poor people ate lobster. It was the, the 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 shellfish they would throw the poor people back in the day, and then someone wealthy finally ate it and was like, "What are we doing giving this away for free? What are we like? Well, this is a delicacy. What are we doing?" What the um, heck? I'm, amendment. I'm amendment. Time for an amendment. Who is the first person to look at a lobster and go, "I'm going to try to eat that thing." <laughs> whoever that person was what a bold choice you made and thank god you made it by the way talking about you know crab cakes and your specialty and the 50 dollars a pound one of the funniest guys i have in in my community true blue forever who's in here chatting with everyone today says larry you're shopping in the wrong place you can get tenderloin crabs for about 10 bucks (laughs) uh Okay, so on that note, yes. I think it's time to go to uh, some comments, Larry. What do you What do you got? We, we, All right, we got a bunch here. We got a bunch. We got fifteen or so super chats. So Focus back in. Here. Give us our tight shot again. I love I love seeing your sign, but all right, all right. Let, let's let's get go. all. Yeah, ooh, there there's a lot of Damon and Larry all of a sudden. There's <laughs> what's that? Is that a Willie Mays bobble? What is that bobble in the back there? Off your no other side. Oh, okay. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, it's a Willie Mays bobblehead. Willie Mays bobblehead, Battle of the Bla- uh, Battle of the Bay snow globe, um, uh, Dios de la Morte head up against Draymond Green's bobblehead, who's just out of camera shot right there. We got a Clay Thompson bobblehead. We got the the sponsored by JJ Raider Ganja Jar, who at Plus Mania Two gave me about a pound and a half of weed just because he likes the show very much. That's the ultimate super chat right there. So the ganja jar became the official JJ Raider ganja jar. So Can you see into today. the ganja jar or no? Well, I got to be honest with you with two kids around here, the ganja jar is a touch performative. We keep it in a, in, a, in you know, you, you don't leave your gun and your bullets around the kids, Larry. So I, the ganja is <laughs> somewhere enough. else. Good to know. Good to know. It's false advertising is what it is. All right. Alien D gin. Doesn't say it says alien, right? Not Alan. Uh, I think it's he says, alien, yes. Why don't the Niners run run more out routes? Um, it says um, CS likely to result in an interception if the ball is heading out of bounds versus the middle of the field. Oh, it's C. It's less likely. Less seems likely. less likely. I think seems it's less likely. Yeah. Look at that uh, again. That's a you know. I, <laughs> I, I don't know why they don't run more out routes, but what you have are uh, two wide receivers and a tight end going over a thousand yards from scrimmage. What they're doing, that is a, you know, that's a I'm nitpicking question if there ever was one. Uh, you know, why why don't they run more out routes? I I, I don't know. Ask Kyle Shanahan. But uh, well, they, might... they're running seem to be working very well. Yeah, and they do run some out routes, but um, Jennings is their best out route runner. Right, he's the guy who's who uh, seems like, you know, he's made some big catches on out routes. 
Uh, Ayuk and Debo, those guys like to run across the middle. And they run fearlessly across the middle. Rakeeb Jamani says, great show, gentlemen. Larry, I love the new studio. Thank you, Rakeeb. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody, by the way. January 1st, 2024. How about that? Uh, the Shaw in the house drops this. He says, I wanted to start this year right with a super chat. Thank you very much, Shaw. Very cool. In fact, you know what I you know what I caught yesterday for the first time? There is a new thing in YouTube where people can donate on on our to our videos or live streams, like in the comments after the show. Yes. Somebody yesterday dropped a 50 spot on me uh, from uh, a stream that I did yesterday. It's amazing. Out of nowhere. Just wasn't even wasn't even in the stream. Just like, hey, uh, I'm watching this. I appreciate you. Boom. Here. Can't another area where uh, YouTube's better than radio. Nobody ever gave us anything on radio. Uh, Jason Lutz said, "Biggest player surprises this year. Biggest flop." Hmm. You talking Niners? <clears throat> I would say Niners. Yeah, I would say. Um, biggest, biggest uh, surprises. Biggest flop. Well. I would it's, say biggest. Hmm. It's, it's it, you got to think about it for a minute, and and to say flop, it sounds like you're talking about someone as if they're a failure or they're a disappointment. I mean, maybe Isaiah Oliver is the guy who fits the the flop question. Um, Don't say that to Steve Wilkes, man. Steve maybe, Wilkes would fight you over that. I mean, he's, maybe it's he loves the guy. How about this again? Hard thing to put on a guy who I like very much. Talanoa Hufanga was not having a great sophomore year before he got injured. M maybe he would would fit that definition. I can't go flop. Yeah, him. no, but that's the thing. It's it's I, I I don't like the word, but I'm trying to figure out who was the guy who you had the high who did not meet your expectation. I guess is a better way to say it than flop because I would say, and this is a tough one for me because I love this guy. It's like my favorite Niner. Um, and I love talking to him. I was just talking to him the other day and I really do believe in him. But, um, and if I saw him, I would tell him. And when I do see him, I do tell him I'm like, Hey man, I believe in you, brother. Uh, the thing there's going to be better days, but Drake Jackson, Drake Jackson, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, but been again, on the IR since week ten. He had that one. He had the big week one. Then he kind of wasn't to be heard from after that. Yeah, I would say that Drake Jackson to me has been somewhat of a disappointment. Again, both the guys that I think we brought up have been you know on IR too. So maybe that explains the the disappointment of of their season not really turning around because they weren't out there to to actually have the chance to turn it around. I would say maybe. Um, you know, maybe Ray Ray McLeod, just who's done really nothing for for the Niners beyond an incredible downfield block earlier in the year. Like Ray Ray had a great downfield block, and I remember us talking about his football IQ. And I do think he's got a big football IQ, but he hasn't made many big plays, and he's been a disappointment in the return game. And then he's been hurt, so maybe that's it. It's hard to say any rookie is a flop. So I'm going to leave Ronnie bell out of the conversation. Cause he didn't, well, he has, he's, he's a really good young player. I mean, yeah. And that's a seventh round pick. Yeah. He's, he's not bad. Um, in terms of biggest surprise, 
I'm going to go. I get two that would that are my biggest surprise. Can I give you my one that I think it fits? No, no. Yes, you can. <laughs> Colton McTivitz. He's been a positive surprise. Absolutely. He was supposed to be the reason why it wasn't going to, you know, oh, not, not as good as McGlinchey. That is a regression. It's not even a lateral move. He is more than well appointed for his entire year over there at right tackle. I, I think he's done a good job. Has he been great? Is he going to the Pro Bowl? No and no, but he's been good. Yeah, so, I like uh, that. I like that one. I would go with um, kind of the same vein, you know, guys who are young veterans that people had been like, ah, they're not going to be any good, and they were pretty good. Colton would definitely be the guy on offense. On defense, I'm going to go Javon Kinlaw and Ambry Thomas. I think a lot of people thought that both those guys were just like, non-factors and and that Javon wasn't going to be on the team. Ambry was a bust, blah, 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 blah. And now you look up and you're like, Javon's had a decent year and is probably going to get a decent contract. And Ambry um, has been, I think the, the key to the turnaround. I mean, they took, took Oliver off the field. They put Ambry on the field. They moved Lenore inside. Their coverage got tighter. I would say, Kinlaw and Ambry Thomas on defense for sure. And McKivitz on offense. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, Ambry Thomas might be another year away from being, you know, really, you know, pro bowl caliber level corner. I mean, he has learned an awful lot. He's made a big leap from the first time we've seen him to the player. He is now, if he continues to take that step forward, Sky's the limit for him. He's a he's a real player, and he's got the right body for it. So, uh, and I'll go one more on de- on defense. I said the disappointing guy was Drake because I was expecting you know really good things after week one. On offense, it's definitely Cam Latou. Cam Latou couldn't catch a cold this summer. He's got decent athleticism and size and and potential. But I mean, if you're just looking at where they drafted him and who was on the board and what he's done so far and how he's looked, I would say Cam Latou, unless he's a world beater in year two. I mean, he had, had a very, very disappointing first year in the NFL. Now, look, the discerning fan is watching us right now, but I even wonder what percentage of people watching us right now even know who he is. Yeah, no, I know. You'd have to have seen him in camp, right? So there yeah. you go. Jason Lutz, though, thank you for that one. Uh, we got this one from Sherpagny. Larry thinks cutting Trey Lance was a no-brainer. Well, no. at one point it did become that, right? I didn't, cutting and, Trey and, Lance well, was a no-brainer. They, they didn't I, I wouldn't him. have cut they him. him. They didn't they cut him. him. They traded him. And it is um, the smart financial planner who cuts losses when they see no more room for growth or development. Like the, the best time to say goodbye to a bad investment is today. No matter how much it hurts, the best time to move on from the wrong choice is today. The worst time would be tomorrow. The even worse time than that would be a week from now. Like when you know you got a tough decision to make, you just got to make it sometimes. And the Niners had a very, very tough choice to make there. Well, I mean, it really wasn't that tough of a choice. It's not that you're not paying your third string quarterback $9 million. He was their third string quarterback. They had a third. The going rate for a third string quarterback is $1 million. 
So when they signed Brandon Allen to a $1 million a year contract, that should have been an indication that he was going to be the third string quarterback. They were never going to have a $9 million third string quarterback. So once Trey became the third string quarterback in their eyes, he was leaving. And that's what happened. Um, I like Trey Lance and I think Trey Lance is still going to be a player someday. And I've said that over and over again, 69 says, Larry, I won my fantasy league. Look at you. Get a golf clap on that. Look at you. Jillian was in. I've the never won the fantasy game. league. Jillian was in her title game, but got smoked yesterday because she was going against James Conner. So um, I've only won the league one time. I've been playing a long time. The Dark Willow says, imagine Purdy's stats if we didn't blow teams out. Yeah. Imagine what Brock Purdy's stats would have looked like if he wasn't 32nd in the NFL in fourth quarter pass attempts. How about that? Think about that one. Sean O'Leary dropping a 20. Look at Sean O'Leary. Ka-ching. Thank you, Sean. Sean O'Leary, go do your, you know, happy new year to your bad self. He says, I like Shanahan's bounce back game plan. More balanced run pass mix. Went back to the Jimmy G playbook in the first half to get Brock some easy completions and confidence, then took his shots deep in the second half. And you also, I know I agree. Was, I agree. I know it was an unmemorable opening drive because they settled with a field goal. And by the way, they're 69 points scored on opening possessions, number one in the NFL this year. Um, and you won't remember. Sunday's opening possession, because again, it, it, it stalled with a field goal, but I really liked that opening drive, Larry. And you saw in a, in a, Hey, we, we just got to win. Like it's a, it's a business trip out here. I don't care how we get it done today, but we got to get it done today. Um, lots of touches from McCaffrey right off the rip. Just, yeah, no, so throwing, just this no is throwing around. This is, here, here's who we are. This is our best player. We're feeding him. And then on the very next drive, that's when they started feeding Debo, get him his touches. And it's Sh Shanahan was in we ain't fucking around mode right from the jump. And that's good. Well, and it was it was very, very high percentage passes um, and and runs. This is what the drive was. CMC runs nine yards. CMC runs two yards. CMC on first and 10 runs one yard. Second and nine, Purdy to Ayuk for six yards on a pass. Third and three, Purdy scrambled for the first down um, from the 44 to the 47. First and 10, Purdy to Kittle short for seven yards. Second and three, uh, CMC runs for six yards. First and 10, Purdy to Husecheck, incomplete penalty on Washington for Castro Fields. Um, and then uh, first and 10 from the 29, Purdy to CMC for 10 yards. First and 10 from the 19, CMC four-yard run. Second and six from the 15, Purdy to CMC on the screen pass that was minus five. Right. That was a negative five yards. Third and 11, Purdy threw incomplete. Fourth and 11, here comes Jake Moody. Purdy goes, um, you know, 12-play drive, 55 yards, 6 minutes, 54 seconds. Moody, by the way, goes uh, 14 for 14 on field goals inside of 40 with that one. 38 yards, 3 nothing Niners. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it was a conservative uh, game plan early. It was a low-risk game plan. But you know what? Think of it this way. The Niners under Shanahan going forward, Damon, and I really think that this was a great example. 
this is what they this should be their recipe at the beginning of games come out super conservative but move the ball down the field right if you can move the ball down the field conservatively then you get a multiple score lead now you can pressure the quarterback take chances i love the way the niners look when they've got a team backed up inside their five or they look when they've got a 10 to 12 point lead it's like the defense is swarming the dbs Greenlaw and Warner are firing up with all kinds of physicality. The DBs are looming, selling out for picks. They get hyper-aggressive, and they get really, really, um, you know, they get overpowering feeling uh, defensively when they when they have a lead. So to get that lead by being as conservative as you possibly can, don't turn it over, and then start taking risks when you have a little bit of a lead to play with, I think that's their recipe going forward. I think if they had done that against Baltimore and gotten a lead and, you know, that kind of thing and, and, and kept the ball out of the air. Um, I think eventually Baltimore is like going to be a hard team there. Baltimore is going to struggle if they don't lead. They're a bully team, right? They're a front runner as well. The Niners yeah. are a front runner. The Niners are a front runner, but it's, so that's why that first quarter, play calling and what you call and how you call the game and how much risk you take is huge for the Niners. So after that first drive stalls with the field goal, the second drive, it's more CMC right off the rip. And then you get Debo his very first touch of the day on the successful run around the left side and around 10 yard end around. You got third, which I want to see like four times a game. If I could, you got third and long at the Washington 45, and Purdy finds Ayuk for a big game. That was a 17-yarder that moved the chains. You Which was an incredible, play. sorry to interrupt, but that was an incredible play by CMC because he picked up the blitz. Washington brought the blitz on third and nine. CMC stonewalled the blitzer in the hole, and Purdy delivered a strike to Ayuk in his favorite window. And that was an outside pass. Another first down after that. Then Debo makes a catch, uh, his first catch on his first target of the game. So now you're goal to go. You get McCaffrey getting gobbled up by Jonathan Allen on first down. On second down was that pop pass to Debo. And that was, you know, one of the easiest touchdowns of the season. I mean, Debo jogged that thing to the corner, and it's 10 nothing Niners after the second. Um, and Purdy's and 8 of 9 at that point. Yeah, 8 of 9 for 57 yards and just starting to really, really get comfortable in a game. And and uh, and we all know how dangerous he is when he's comfortable in a football game. And I thought he did a great do- a, a great job avoiding the up-the-middle pressure that, that Washington um, absolutely put on him throughout the day. Again, it was you know, we know the weakness of that Niners offensive line. Washington tried to exploit it, but they didn't really get away with exploiting it. Um, and you know who felt like he was more involved than he normally is in the passing offense was Kyle Juszczyk yesterday. Kyle Juszczyk was targeted, I think, a couple of times, and, and he had that one ball that went off of his tipped fingers uh, that would have been in a spectacular catch. It would have been one of his all-time highlight reel catches had he made it. But that play was um, it, it, like it didn't matter because the Niners had a, or, or you know, Washington had a defensive holding, so it moved the chains anyways. Even though Usechek didn't catch it, but it, it was good to see Usechek really involved. I think that he's a weapon that they need to involve more. Yeah, no, he, and he's very sure-handed. He's very sure-handed. 
Uh, Ray's Ray's vibe throws a dollar in there. Thank you, Ray's vibe. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, Harold McAllister says, "Happy New Year, fellas. What will be what will the buy help the most for the 49ers? I hope missed tackles. Harold, I think you hit it. You answered your own question there. Maybe we should give you the five. No, it's 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 health and rest is the force multiplier for the 49ers." When they're healthy, when they're rested, that's when they turn into the team in football that nobody wants to play. So it's good stuff. Um, they'll have more time to watch, uh, you know, with the with the breaks, they'll have more time to watch Damon and I's YouTube channels. They're watching. Uh, ben Barch came up to me. I barely even know Ben Barch. He's like, what's going on, Krug? Like, uh, hey, man, what's up? What's up, man? What's going on? Big fan of the channel. So there you go. Ben Barch, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Harold McAllister, Larry answered my super chat already. LOL. You lazy. You lazy, you lazy boy. I love you, boy, but you're fucking lazy. <laughs> the great Bill Urbanic. That was his, that was his, uh, his opening line to me virtually every morning in training camp with the gold miners. I love you, boy, but you're fucking lazy. Yeah. You got here at 445 a.m. You Late. only you got here at seven and you think you're leaving at seven? I got here at four and I'm gonna leave at two. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, but your your family's away from you right now, and your best friend is Johnny Walker Black. Right. And and oh by the way, you're gonna die young any day. <laughs> <laughs> Guy puts hot sauce on his breakfast cereal. He's no longer with us, sadly, but he was a good good man. Um, here we go. Damon, Larry, who do you got in the college football playoff? I'm with you, Larry. Give me Alabama, Washington when it's all said and done. I think wa- I think the irony of this is going to be that Washington, I know people don't believe me, but I think Washington's going to win the whole damn thing. The why? Because champions. here's why. Michigan's better than Bama, but Bama, you give, um, you know, Bama's hot right now. Um, uh, Milrow's playing great and you give Saban this much time and he's going to have his team ready to roll. So I like Bama, but that's when they have that much time. They, they're not going to have a ton of time for the Huskies. Um, and then the Huskies are, I think they're really well coached. I'm a big Penix fan. Uh, the Huskies to me have looked good all year. I, I think the Huskies are going to beat Texas. And then I think Washington, the Pac-12, in the final year of the Pac-12, is going to win the playoff legitimately. And there's going to be all this, what? The Pac-12 is going out with a bang, but with Look, Washington really winning think, the whole thing. I really think if you got all the powers that be in the room that voted for all the change and made all the change happen and the Pac-12 vanish, I think if we could get everybody in the room and say, you want to hit the reset button on all this shit, they'd do it. But they're too just far down back, the- get rid of the portal and get rid of all yeah, that. No, 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 no. The, the, the portal can exist, but the, the, it's it, created chaos in college football. Look, though, and, and it's ruined bowl season. I mean, half the reason why I'm not watching bowl games is because the teams aren't even report. The teams aren't even interested in playing in the bowl games. So I'm I not going to really, I know Seriously, you're, you're watching all these games and it's like, it's like the games without the stars. I mean, right. Florida state didn't even show at all. 
in that Georgia game. I mean, they, they, they didn't even have anybody going in that game. I tuned in to watch Miami because Miami's got James Williams and uh, this awesome mother safety they have, and, and neither of those guys were going. I mean, I, I couldn't watch the Miami safeties in the Rutgers game. The Rutgers running back, though, by the way, Kyle um, Mon- Monagai, 25 carries, 163 yards and a touchdown. Junior there you go. For, for the big Rutgers audiences. That's for the, for the Rutgers fans out there. The Rutgers crowd, all seven of you. Um, no, I, I, I really think that had Deion Sanders gotten to Colorado a year before he did, the Pac-12 is still alive. Because the Pac-12 was blown up based on the fact it couldn't command ratings. Then Colorado turned into one of the highest rated teams in all of sports all year long, even during their losing streak. Um, Colorado, but you know, even though they couldn't attract ratings, Damon, the Pac-12 blew it when Larry Scott or Klivakov turned down ESPN. Yeah. I mean, ESPN was there willing to give them X, and they wanted X times two. And instead, they got their conference blown up. Greed and bad decisions, and then the Big Twelve coming in and saying, "Hey, we'll take that deal if they won't." Just totally, they, they, they in a game of musical chairs, they had nowhere to sit. Yeah. Um, by the way, I love college football. I don't really have a team that I'm like that super. I mean, I'm an A and M fan, but I really don't care. I watch college football more for the draft implications. Right. I I, I, I love college football, and I went to Indiana, which means I don't even really have a team. But right. Well, but my my point is this: it's just that I watch all of this college football, and the most ridiculous thing is that Georgia has the best players. They've been atop the the recruiting deal for years if they're not one they're two if they're not two they're three georgia has the best talent there's no doubt in my mind they got stars everywhere champions they just won 63 to 3 over florida state partially because florida state didn't show but there was a lot of people saying florida state should have been in the bowl game no the acc is not the sec the sec is semi-pro football and the fact that georgia lost to bama and they're out with the best players with a 13 and one record playing in the best conference and Texas is in and they lost to the Oklahoma Sooners, but they beat Alabama, but they they beat Alabama, but Oklahoma lost to Arizona in the bowl game. I mean, Arizona, you know I mean? I'm nothing against Arizona. there on the uptick, but come on. I mean, what's a worse loss, Georgia in a neutral site to Bama, by you know barely anything in the SEC championship game, or Oklahoma beating you know Texas in the in the Red River Shootout. To me, it's ridiculous that you're going to have a four team playoff, the Georgia Bolt, and not have Georgia. Georgia would be favored against against every one of the remaining three teams that will play today um, in the playoff. It's just, it's it's garbage. I mean, you've got the best team in the best conference and they, they don't even make it to the playoff. I mean, I know next year they'll have the 12 team playoff and everything will be solved, but the Georgia had the best players and they played in the best conference and they had a 13 and one record. They should have been in the freaking playoffs and Texas should not have been. What sucks are all the half measures and baby steps they have to take to get to the 12 team playoff. I mean, that should have been decided Forget about years. This should have been decades ago. 
I mean, the the right way to do this has been in front of everyone for all these years. I remember the uh, the famous Mike Leach when he was still at Washington State press conference, where he basically said, "Well, you know, how would we go about actually crowning a champion? You know, all we'd really need to do is see what Division Three does and just follow that model, where they take teams and they actually play each other to decide on the field who the champion is going to be. Like they have a a a robust long playoffs that take a whole bunch of teams and whittle them down to their very best. Like, why don't we right. do that? You know, so well because um, the, then the Fiesta Bowl wouldn't have a you know couldn't have a you know couldn't basically give out a bunch of free trips and right. it's a big money grab. It's a big gravy train. It's a you know. It's just it's it's the good good old boys running college football, just loving getting getting right. schmoozed by these bowl junkets. Like whoever is the governor of the Fiesta Bowl, like that guy made seven hundred thousand dollars this year, and he puts on one football game a year. You know what I mean? And and, and if you go then like these bowl places, I mean, I've met some of these people when I've been doing the Stanford pregame show uh, down on the farm. It's like, oh, you know, I'm Bob, I'm Bob Jones. Uh, here's my card. I here's my office is in San Diego. What do you do? I run the blankety blank bowl. Okay, it's a one day a year thing. What do you do the rest of the year? It's like I run the blankety blank bowl. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's like a full time job. How? <laughs> it's like how? I am the. Ex- I have an office in San Diego, and I coordinate the Insight dot com bowl. It's like, oh man, must be must be nice. Must be nice. All right, we got this one from Alien D. Gin. I'm more mad at Harbaugh for choking in the Super Bowl than Kyle's fourth quarter mojo. Yeah, I mean, I am too. Well, after watching the Super Bowl against the Ravens again. Larry, they got the one seed. No, 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 no looking backwards. I know, but I mean, watching that game, it's like Harbaugh, what the hell are you doing? Uh, Ben Jammin, bit late. He says, bit late to the topic, but earlier when you said tackling machines, uh, come from a from a double bye week. Not only that, but also forced fumbles like Warner did on, on the Cowboys. Those punch fumbles. Yeah, just anything that's high energy on defense, you're going to be better off after the rest. Everyone Jesse, likes a peanut punch. Yeah, Jesse, exactly. Jess, uh, peanut Tillman. Jesse F., uh, congrats on 15,000 and 32,000. Do you guys think Kyle Huschek, uh wheel route was a message to the team who think they can blitz corners and crowd the middle. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, Kyle is given everyone something to think about with every play that he runs. There's nothing happening willy nilly, you know? So yeah, there, 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 there is a little, if you think you can corner blitz our guy, we could hit you with this. And Lyle Bolliard with the final uh, super says, what are the odds of teams going to the super bowl from having a first round buy versus everybody else? I don't know that number offhand, but we yeah, can don't have up. those numbers in front of me. I'll tell you that there is more often than not a wild card team reaching the Super Bowl. Just it feels that way. I don't I, I don't know if it is that way, but it feels that way um, in, in the last few years. Um, it, it, you know, being the one seed might not be the advantage that it used to be, but I, I think it will turn into advantage for the 49ers based on what we know about them. Eric Armstead's recovery, Christian McCaffrey's calf. Um, I, I, it, it, they are to get a one seed is a luxury. The 49ers worked really hard to afford this luxury. 
not only do they have the luxury of the one seed, they have the luxury of being able to fold up the tent and then essentially not even worry about the Rams in week 18. Um, you know, now look, who's ever out there playing for the Niners, they're going to be playing to win. There's no doubt. I mean, when you're in a football game, all the circumstances that preceded or come after that game vanish for every single player on that field. And all you are is in that game and trying to win that game. But what a luxury that they don't have to have a single essential player to a Super Bowl equation play in that game if they don't want them to. So it's a beautiful it, spot. It's a beautiful really spot is. to be in. Um, we are two hours into our live stream. Let's thank our sponsors, New York style Italian sausage, pig and a pickle, Marin Autoglass, Underdog Fantasy, and Mojo Fantasy on my end. Damon, please thank your sponsors as only you can. First and foremost, if you're looking for a delicious sandwich this New Year's Day, go to Ike's. Ike's has got the sandwich for you. If you're in the mood for a burger, let me tell you, my boys and uncle boys in the inner rich are a great place to stop. And if you have eaten so much that you now have arthritis in your knees because you're all fat and your joints don't work, Dr. Paul Hughes can take fat out of your body, inject it into your knees, and make your knees feel like they have entered a time machine. A orthopedic surgeon who doesn't want to do surgery on you. There is cellular replacement therapy. I've had it done to myself. Again, I would never endorse anything. I wouldn't use myself. M my body's 48. My knee is 28. So thanks to Dr. Paul Hughes. You can go to orthopedicsurgeries.com. His offices are in San Mateo. He's really good at what he does. He has been the team doctor for the Cardinals, Rams, and Blues when he was in the Midwest and working in St. Louis. And now he's back out here in his home and uh, doing some unbelievable work. So consider it if you have uh, joint pain and all that stuff. Larry, Let me uh, also thank one sponsor that I turned down as a sponsor for the Krug show. Uh, there was a there was a guy, a doctor in the East Bay who contacted me and wanted to have a, um, a sponsorship on the show. And it just he wanted he wanted me to freeze my fat. There's like you can free. There's like a new thing where you can freeze the fat around your gut or whatever, and it somehow falls off. And I just I couldn't do I couldn't go there, Damon. I I couldn't go to the freeze the fat. I I, I had to say to him, you know what, uh, your money is not good here. I I literally turned down a sponsor uh, because uh, he wanted to freeze the audience's fat, and he wanted me, use me as the guinea pig, and I just couldn't do it. I just. I just, I had to say no. Just like Doc, have you ever done this before? Or am I seriously your <laughs> guinea pig on this one? <laughs> He's done it before, and it's a legitimate process. But uh, it just, I can't, I couldn't go there. I just couldn't go there. It just makes me too, too much of a not of a regular guy. I'm a too regular of a guy to freeze my fat. I like. I, do, I, I don't know about you. I like my my body fat at room temperature, Larry. <laughs> exactly. Um, moral dilemma portion of the damon and larry extravaganza wake up with damon and larry um of course we're with you every monday and every friday during the football season and we've got a ton of people watching right now but we've got to go with this one this is the moral dilemma question of the week and for this we decided to share the screen and we've got a tweet from barstool and this is the owner of the carolina panthers here they're going Tepper. to see David Tepper, David Tepper, everybody. And here is the great owner. There he is. 
Can I? Uh, I'm not no, sure I, he's, he's not in the photo. No, he's not in the photo. He's he's not in the, photo. the picture here. He's off to the right of the guy with his hands in his pockets. Here we go. Here is, and he threw a drink or part of a drink, maybe some ice at a fan. Here we go. There you go. With, uh, there you go. Uh, there he is. He, we got the. And this guy right here is like mad about it. Here we go. We'll get another look at it. You'll see the owner quickly. And he threw the cup down on the table. You, that guy's like, hey, man, listen, I watched you guys win one game this year. You're going to throw ice at me? Yeah. Billionaire or not, I'm going to whoop your ass. You throw a drink on me. Look at that. Okay. <laughs> One guy's about ready to jump into the booth. I would have, I would have loved it if that fan actually had made it in there and just beat the ever living shit out of that guy. <laughs> it's a bad look. Having said bad, all that, having it's a bad that, look when you throw any any liquid right. at the at the fans. Moral dilemma: uh, Was the owner was David Tepper in the wrong here? Uh, was he in the right? Maybe the fan had said something. Is there anything that fan could have said or the fans could have said? Unless unless there was a straight up like, I hope your wife dies of cancer, you fucker. Like, and you know, it, 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 but even then, even then you just walk away because it, you ain't it, you're the billionaire. You got more to lose than the guy who's barking at you or yelling at you. Um, but everyone says that David Tepper is a massive prick, just a total asshole. Um, uh, He's just lucky. Wife, He's like continuing that throughout the entire year. He's like, man, working for this owner is an experience. And, you know, and then he got fired. Technically, um, what David Tepper did there was exactly what the fan did that incited the malice at the palace. <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, basically, the guy, the fan who incited the malice at the palace threw an ice cube uh, and some water at uh, Ben Wallace and Stack Jack. Right they went back. into the. They, when Ron uh, Artest was laying on the scorer's table, he got hit in the head with oh, a That's cup. right. It was Ron Artest and Stack Jack, and they went into the crowd and started throwing them hands. Uh, David Tepper did not go into the crowd and throw hands, but he incited it, and the other guy was looking to jump into David's booth and maybe throw hands. Um, there you go. How would you respond if you had been standing there outside of the outside of David Tepper's booth and you got hit with a couple ice cubes and maybe a little bit of a little bit of a, you know, maybe a um, Bombay tonic. You know, you get a little Bombay tonic and a couple ice cubes in your hoodie um, and it's from Jed and you're at the Niner game. What are you doing? I mean, what, what can you do? It's I guess it's easy to throw things at people from the comfort of your own luxury box. Right. Um, Where there's security and exit hatch. I can tell elevators. you. If that if that happens, like in the stands, it's go time. It's 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 go time again. I I, I even I, with I, you got Jack there, you got Ozzy, you oh, got no, the old no, lady, no, the whole no, deal. That, that that's now you've just changed the equation greatly. Now Jack's gonna be scarred for life because somebody threw an ice cube at you, and Daddy decided to throw blows, and then all of a sudden somebody punch daddy and then kids are crying and wife's mad look i i completely believe that jillian would be on the side of it's go time my wife's got the squabbles in her she really she, yeah, no, awesome. yeah jillian used to play rugby dude she she's not fucking around <laughs> she, uh, 
Yeah. So um, there, she's more of an athlete than I ever was. So she, <laughs> Jillian will bench press a car. She's a badass. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would also like to think it's an important lesson to let your kids know that, you know, you got sometimes, sometimes in life, you just got to kick ass. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I'm not a big believer that violence doesn't solve anything. It solved World War II very well. Um, I, I think more violence needs to be uh, executed. Like when you see a violence parade, is the answer. Maybe you should get a T-shirt for the, this? Like, the Damon what? Bruce Pluse. And on the back, you have violence is the answer. When you see a parade of Nazis walking down the street in like lacrosse, Wisconsin, I truly believe the proper response is for everybody in Lacrosse, Wisconsin, to pick up a baseball bat and just beat those parading Nazis and their masks about their head and faces. Like I just sometimes you do have to drop the fuck you on someone. And Nazis, along with drink throwing billionaires, are right at my top of no, we shouldn't let that happen anywhere in American society. I can't see Jed doing that. Jed's a little bit more. He's a little smoother than that. I, I I can't. Which owner in the Bay Area is most likely to throw a cup of ice and the remnants of a Bombay tonic at a fan? Joe Lacob, Jed no. York, Charles Johnson, or Charles Johnson's kid? Neither. None of none of the above. John Fisher. John Fisher would have done that. Oh, no, I guess John Fisher would actually have to be at the game to do that. <laughs> yeah, John Fisher. John Fisher would not want to waste the drink. He'd be like, yeah, man, I, I need that money. Yeah. I, I, I here's the money. thing. There, there, there's no owner here in the Bay Area that would do that, right? There's no owner in the Bay Area who would do that. You got to be some sort of real, I, I don't. I, again, I don't know. What, what was said to David Tepper to make him do that? Because if that was just about what like, could have oh, set off, Tap? what could have set off DT? <laughs> DT. <laughs> What's up with DT, man? Why is he acting like this? DT's normally pretty cool. I like the way he spun that cup down, too. It wasn't just he kind of he almost like he it was like, a, you know, like when you score a touchdown, you spin the football. Totally. He, kinda, he didn't just throw the cup down. He kind of spun it. He did. He did. You know, now now that I see the celebration, I'm totally on Team Tepper on this one. I got the whole thing wrong, Larry. I love the celebration. That fan probably had it coming. No, here's the thing. No, be, lit, be Lit, which is a great moniker, says, I saw the shirt the other day, Damon, that said, give violence a chance. Yeah, yeah, look. Look, I'm, I'm a big believer that an ass whooping can keep you honest. Like, it, the biggest problem with Draymond Green... Is that not a single dude has stepped up to him and just straight up gone about mopping up the gym with his ass? Draymond Green would be a totally different person if he'd been humble pied with a pair of brass knuckles. I, I, I'm a big believer in an ass kicking humbles you and keeps you honest. And um, had Jordan Poole just absolutely like fired back and just giving Draymond like a straight up combo meal. A three piece, uh, as Tim Ryan would describe a three piece spicy. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. With, with uh, potato wedges on the side. Um, <laughs> get it yeah. at, get it at uh, pig in a pickle. That'll be the new one. Damon, let's go with the three piece spicy. I like three it. But I, 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 uh, 
Yeah, I think that bullies, the only way to deal with a bully is with another bully. Would Larry Bear pull that move? Would, could you could you see him throwing ice in the remnants of a Bombay tonic at Giants fans? No. Larry, how come you hired Farhan? Ah. No. no. I, oh, I, really? I, Bombay tonic. There you go. I don't see it. No, he's, I, a little, I, he's a little too, he'd be worried about, you know, some kind of legal ramifications. Right. No, it's, no, I, I, I don't see that happening in the Bay Area. I mean, again, look, I'd like to think we're a little bit more. There's a we're little beyond bit, that here. We're beyond more that decorum here. out here. Yeah. I mean, it, and uh, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe we should throw fists more. I don't know. <laughs> Harold McAllister, drunk throwing rich guys or drink throwing rich guys. It would be a great show. Rich guys throwing drinks at people. At the at the fans who buy their tickets. <laughs> at the people at the people who pay the freight. These are the buy these are my customers. Take that. Peasants. <laughs> they have really, the remnants of my Bombay. There really is a, a let them eat cake element <laughs> to that, isn't there? There really I mean, that's ballsy when you win one game. I mean, if you're eight and eight or better, that's one thing, but you're one and sixteen. And you're throwing drinks. I think I would. I I think my when I you know I need Bryce Young to have a better touchdown interception ratio before I'm throwing drinks. Right. If you're going to hit me in the back of the head with the remaining slush of your ice cube, you bet you better have won at least four games. You you can't be can't be a one win team throwing drinks around the room. One more super here from Harold McAllister. Ford Niners got bullied by three AFC North teams. Are they really a physical team? I think yeah. they are. I yeah. What, I mean, what, what are you watching? What are you watching? By the way, the AFC North might be the best division in football this year. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, it's it, it, the AFC North has been fantastic. Um, Somebody says DeBartolo would have thrown his drink. I don't think so. Eddie D. I doubt it. Eddie D. Would have Eddie D. Would have bought that guy a drink. Oh yeah, and flown him to Hawaii. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie D. Would have said, "Hey, I know you think you're mad. I'm more mad." As mad as you are, I'm more mad. Eddie D. Eddie D. was like the voice of the fan. The, the reason Eddie D. is so beloved is because his bottom line jived with the fans' bottom line. Eddie D. lost $10 million one of the years in the 80s. The Niners won the Super Bowl. He didn't care. Didn't care. He didn't care. His bottom line was winning Super Bowls. Now you got the Giants, giant Charles Johnson's kid saying, hey, we got to break even. You got to break even. You bought the thing for $400 million. It's worth $4 billion. Right. You're saying you got to break even is the most moronic statement in the history of Bay Area sports ownership. Right. You, you, you literally, your dad owns Charles Schwab. <laughs> I mean, what are you, you talking you about? Money. You need to break if we, even. If we went into your bank account and just started burning $100 bills, it would take several calendar years to burn all your $100 bills. That's You how have been paid have. back for your investment. You have been paid back tenfold. You you own the you own, you're the recipient of the biggest real estate development project in the history of the city of San Francisco. Your great grandkids are 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 you know set for life and and you're worried about making a profit in 2024. We just need to make a profit. Why? Why? It's your birthright to make a profit in the present and the future. 
I mean, the arrogance of that statement is just was so off the charts. What's the point of being rich if you can't afford to lose money? These guys who used to own these teams used to be sportsmen. Now it's yeah. like, well, we're businessmen. Well, no, you're cheap asses is what yeah. you are. Yeah. Well, look, I think you, I don't know. Was I talking to you off the air about this, but talking about the radio stations in this town, the radio stations in this town aren't even in the business of broadcasting anymore. Both radio stations in this town are in the business of making sure some corporate accounting page comes out better than it might have as they go to file for bankruptcy anyways. Every single, both 95.7 The Game and KNBR aren't even radio stations trying to serve their listeners anymore. They are accountants trying to juggle and manipulate, uh, you know, the spreadsheets. That's all they are. This is, we have two companies dealing with spreadsheets. Owning a radio station has nothing to do with broadcasting, nothing to do with correct information, nothing to do with entertainment, nothing to do with serving a listener. It is serving a billionaire spreadsheet. That's all that's, that's, all that's happening on either station. So um, welcome to YouTube. Larry and I are here to serve you. Thank you very much. Hit like and subscribe. There you go. Um should we call it here? We're we're two hours and sixteen minutes into our live stream. Do you have more more topics that you'd like to hit? Do you want to be like Hacksaw yeah. Hamilton? Excellent topic, my friend. I'm glad you brought it up, Larry. I, I think we'd be off topic if we tried to say anything other than the 49ers are the one seed. Everything you want, everything you wanted. How many people a week ago had just the sky? falling and Purdy's not it and the Ravens exposed us and undressed us and we'll never win another game Shanahan's not him Purdy's not him nobody's him everybody's not him he's not him she's not she (laughs) she's not she they're not they they are she she is they them we are we are the world. We are him. Him is he. Him is us. We are them. We are them. Them be us. We be them. We be them. We be him. Him be us. It's just fucking ridiculous. And the the the, the, the these Shanahan. Shanahan. Shanahan can't coach a week later. They're the first Shanahan. Can't coach a week later. They're the first team in NFL history. Freaking it's all on Shanahan. First team ever to have a running back, two wide receivers, and a tight end. (laughs) Each have a thousand yards. Shanahan's not running the ball. He doesn't know how to run the ball anymore, Larry. He's late. Larry's lazy. Shanahan. He's fucking lazy. I love that Shanahan, but he's fucking lazy. Oh my god, he Shanahan is not the guy. You want to rip Brock, but Brock's the MV. Brock's nearly the MVP. So he can't rip Brock. It's like, oh man, I got this YouTube channel, and I wanted to park in the corner of Brock, Brock Purdy's ass should be fired, and uh, I can't. I'm losing subscribers, and nobody's boy, nobody's buying my garbage. Uh, Shanahan, look at on Shanahan. He's Larry. It, it, this team had Chip Kelly, it had Tom Sula. <laughs> it just, if they were seven and seven thousand or whatever the two years before Shanahan gets here, Shanahan. If if 
if the Niners win the Super Bowl this year, <laughs> the day after, the day after they win the Super Bowl, if they do it, I want Shanahan to walk into his local DMV and change his name to Shanahim. <laughs> Seriously. Kyle Shanahim. He because, is him. Because if he won a Super Bowl, Shanahan would become Shanahim. He would be him at that point. You know what? You, you know what I was thinking? Because the, the, the misery never you know loves to go on and on. So you can't rip Purdy. Okay, but right, but now, you know, then it was like Shanahan. Okay, so then now, you know, if Shanahan gets the Super Bowl, you won't be able to rip Shanahan. I can already see it. It was just a down year for the NFL. Right. No, they've already, and someone on here. Uh, the Niners, uh, it, it, yeah, like, they won the Super Bowl, yeah. and yeah, Purdy was really good, and yeah, Shanahan. Yeah, they scored 42 in the Super but you know what? It was just a down year for the league. That's how the Niners did it. It's not, it's not even a real Super Bowl. It's a, you know, it was a down year. It was a down year for the NFL. It's not about Shanahan. It's a, he, Shanahan got lucky. It's just a down year. Yeah. Uh, no, and, and, I, 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 you think I push back on Dink and Dunk? I'm going to push back on it's a down year for the NFL in just the worst fucking way. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be crapping all over anybody who says it's a down year for the NFL. This guy in the chat says, and if they lose Damon, well, you following along. If they lose, his name is still Shanahan. <laughs> if they win, he's Shanahan. I'll tell you what, wouldn't it be great if the Niners win the Super Bowl and then next year, week one, they come out and on the back of everyone's jersey on the nameplate, it just says him. <laughs> Everyone is a him. He is him. I hate, oh, man. I hate that Robert, saying. Robert Baldocky. Larry Kruger wants to start drinking. Larry, I'm coming to the Bay in May. Sean right. Wilford. Larry is drunk. Larry was a little drunk last night, but I'm, I feel like I'm a, I'm, I've bounced back well. I really feel like I've bounced back well. Well, it's because you're him. I'm, I'm him. I'm not they, but I am him. Um, and they are him. They are them. He they is are him. them. And we are us. <laughs> Daniel Shabazz. A lot of verbal maneuvering. A lot of verbal maneuvering. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. All I can tell you, Larry, is that, you know, I, I really wanted to go ahead and, and see if the 49ers could, could, could do it. And so I wrote down in an envelope, one seed. <laughs> and what do you know? <laughs> you know, you Damon, know? I realize you think you know a lot about the Big Ten. I've heard you talking about Indiana. That's the thing about Trent Balky. If you can do a real good Trent Balky, you've got to overemphasize every pronunciation. You, you really love the Big Ten, Damon. But let me tell you this, my friend. A.J. Jenkins, I had his name written down in an envelope. I had that envelope in the top desk drawer of in my office here in Santa Clara. And I'll tell you, when I looked at it this morning, I thought to myself, I haven't even told Jim we're drafting this bust. But you know what? I'm going to tell him right now. Jimmy, you got A.J. Jenkins. And you could, you got A.J. Jenkins as a bullet in your gun. Fire! <coughs> yeah, I, I, by the way, I love you to say, I wrote down in an envelope. It's actually an envelope, but you know. 
He's not him, so he would Listen, listen, Mr. Radio Guy. You're going to have me on and ask me about my Thanksgiving side dishes. I knew it was a ploy then, and I know it's a ploy now. All right? And when I went on KMBR, I talked to this guy, the Razor. And let me say something, Damon. You're never going to be the Razor. Right. <laughs> See, Damon, I told, I told, I told Jed, I told Tom, I told, I told Tate, I told Craig. Craig, Craig gets so angry with the Giants, but I told Craig, you know, Damon's good. He's got, so he's got a nice little, uh, you know, little, little, little rap. He's got a nice, I don't rap, but you know, and he's got a little nice rap, and he goes back and forth. But he'll never be me. He thinks he's me. He'll never be me. He's not him. He's, he's definitely not him. How do you He's think definitely Ralph not him. And if he ever went to Amici's, he would not get the, the lemon pepper wings. And if he did, he wouldn't get the atomic. Because I know Damon, he doesn't like spice. He's a Midwestern guy. He doesn't like spice. <laughs> if he had been from Southern Cal or the East Coast, yeah. maybe maybe down in the bayou, he'd like spicy. He doesn't like spicy. He's from Indiana. Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks for watching. Like and subscribe. <laughs> Enjoy January 1st, all these bowl games and the one seed. Peace.